So, I've been giving a lot of thought lately to the morality of theft. Okay. Uh, there <laughs> is obviously good theft in the world. Yes. I think I think theft exists on a moral spectrum. Of course. Um, good theft would be like Robin Hood, for yes. example. Yeah. Uh, foxy little friend steals from the rich, gives to the poor. Turns, totally. Turns children into furries. Yes. Totally good theft. <laughs> uh, neutral theft. Pirating um, movies off the internet. Yeah. Um, doesn't make you a hero or anything, but also not like the reality ending evil that our like corporate fascist overlords want us to think it's going to be. Sure. Uh, and then there's like bad theft. Okay. And bad theft to me is when you decide you're going to steal, say, a working class trans woman's Nintendo Switch while she's in the middle of a very stressful move. Uh, that to me <laughs> is bad theft. So this 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 weekend, um, girlfriend of the show slash former guest of the show Andrea and me, roommate of the girlfriend of the f- show and friend of the show, Caridwen. <laughs> uh, we went and decided to write a particularly bad theft that occurred recently. Uh, someone we care about very deeply had this happen to her. Um, and it feels good, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Feels right. <laughs> yeah. That's what's up with me. Yeah, so what's up with me is that a bunch of my friends got together and pulled money to buy me a Nintendo Switch to replace the one that got stolen. Sounds. When, how, was, there any, was there any overlap there? I don't know. Weird coincidence. <laughs> yeah, just a weird... <laughs> Thank you very much. I, I was going to open the show with that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Even if you didn't say it up. <laughs> oh, it's been a good weekend, yeah. You wanna ta- Shall we podcast? Yeah, you want to talk about Halloween too? I always want to talk about Halloween too. All right. <laughs> on fire podcast she was trying to mouth that to me and I didn't, i'm not good at reading lips <laughs> it's your number one man on fire podcast i'm sarah and joining me is friend of the show uh roommate of the girlfriend of the show and switch buyer of the show caridon not alone on the switch buyer thank you to everybody who helped out with that um hi everybody my name is caridon Possibly the most referenced party on this show that is not that is not Blair. This is my first time here. I'm very excited, but yeah. I've been like a specter looming yeah. over everything for the last yeah. year or so. I think in terms of podcast mentions, it's it's Blair, Seda, and then you. <laughs> Do you ever sit and listen to the theme for your podcast? No. Uh, I do. And I think that somebody out there in the world of internet needs to make an animated version 
of you and uh, maybe Blair. I haven't seen what Blair's picture or anything, but little cute animated you and Blair going through the woods with flashlights, <laughs> spooky things in the... That's what I picture every time I hear the opening of this show. Like, so, like it's exactly going to be a, like a visual version of it. Yeah. The Fear Baiting, the animated series. <laughs> <laughs> with special guest John Hurt's squirt shirt and... <laughs> And Pennywise the Dancing Clown's oh, pussy. Oh, God. Bringing <laughs> back all the hits. It's it's rare that I have a podcast. It's rare that I have a podcast guest that I can just because we're recording this in the same room. It's rare. It's rare that I can see their reactions to my stupid jokes. It's true. I I have a very quiet laugh. It's not good for podcasting. You're gonna hear a lot of like. Jokes just meet the room and nothing. Yeah. But I'm smiling yeah. in real life. We'll, we'll, we'll add just it. We'll add just Microsoft. Whenever, whenever that happens, I'll leave a note for Blair to just add Microsoft Sam going ha ha ha. Here, here, I'll I'll give you a clean one. Hang on. <laughs> I apologize <laughs> to everybody that. out there in podcast land. I just blew out your earbuds. I'm so sorry. That this waveform is, is nuts. I'm just. This is like. Yeah. <laughs> so, Karajun, for first-time guests of the show, which you are, we always have them talk about their, how they got their start with horror movies, and also what subgenre of horror is your favorite. Ooh. Um, I didn't grow up with horror movies. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a very uh, religious, conservative household with parents who kept very strict control over the media content that came into our home. Right. Um. It wasn't until I was like 16 years old or so that uh, we we got cable television at my house. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was kind of the first time I ever really watched horror movies was edited for cable versions of whatever had been in theaters like four years prior to that on the USA Network. So Halloween H2O, for example, is one that I remember from that era as uh, a a first. I don't know if it was the first necessarily, but a first. Mm -hmm. um, wasn't until college that I really started to get into the genre because the great thing about horror movies is they make great date movies. Yes. There's nothing better than going to a movie theater and either being genuinely scared and holding on to the person who's next to you, yep. or uh, having it just be a bad one, and then you laugh the whole night yep. with the person you're with. Yep. Uh, one of the first dates that I had with Andrea, if I'm not mistaken about the time, was uh, seeing Get Out in theaters. Oh, perfect. Was, was Get Out 2017 or 2018? 2017. Yeah, so that would have been pretty early on in our relationship, because that was like February of that year. Nice. I was just like glued to her that entire movie. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think the first horror movie that I ever saw in the movie theater was uh, The Descent. Oh, I've never seen that one. Is it good? It is good. It is of its era. Okay. Um, which is, you know, early aughts horror, so uh, a lot of influence from sort of like the French extreme horror and everything's very gritty and like, yeah. highly saturated cinematography. Is that the one that starts with like the car accident where the girl's like parents just get killed? Not parents. The woman's husband and child, I believe. Okay. Uh, and it, there's all this drama. But it's about a bunch of women who go down into a hole. Yeah. And bad things happen. Yeah. And um, that's a good lesbian first date. <laughs> um, that movie has major lesbian vibes that sadly are not like 
follow through on, but like so, which is perfect for the name of this podcast. Yeah, we've been you were fearbaited. <laughs> and so, what's your favorite like subgenre of horror movie? I love body horror. Yep. Um, I'm a trans lesbian, mm-hmm. and I, just like body horror is just far too relatable a genre in general. Um, I need to watch Video Drum again sometime soon. I mean, you 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 could, but there are there are definitely. Bo- I mean, it's a great it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong, but there are definitely body horror entries out there that you can watch without being reminded that James Woods exists. Oh, that's right, he is in that one. Yeah, and like you know, to some degree, like this is a separate thing from like the the general levels of of disgusting abuse that are in Hollywood but to some degree there's a little bit of like well he's not James Woods he is the character but still he's James Woods and, and you have to be reminded like, that he exists yeah like and that you may have been yelled at by him randomly on the internet recently <laughs> uh, James Woods is awful that's just a thing that has to happen in the world now do you remember that time that there was like he would just sat in that giant chair at that was that him or no Clint Eastwood at that giant at that Republican Clint Eastwood thing? talked to an empty chair. Yes, he talked to an empty chair at a. That was fun. That was fun when politics was like still funny. No, that wasn't fun. Um, <laughs> <sighs> movie, movie. Well, first we got to go to upcominghorrormovies.com and talk about what's on the horizon for us. What is upcominghorrormovies.com? I was trying to work that into a sentence. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a movie that I'm just not seeing for the first time called Army of the Dead, and it looks like someone holding a... Oh, I thought they were holding a cell phone. It's just a playing card. I was really hoping it was going to be a cell phone. It would be like Ar- Army of the Dead, because the kids are on their cell phones. Is this a remake of one of the George Romero ent- entries into the genre, or is this a new, like, dead whatever... Oh, it's a Netflix thing from Zack Snyder. God. Wow. This, this is Zack Snyder. Oh, he's directing, too. This is Zack Snyder's Return to the Fray? Apparently, um, this... this uh, I know far too much about, like, the, the production road yeah. to this. And some of the, like, just really brutal and... <sighs> Listen... Horror can be brutal. Like I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. I'm totally gonna sound like a hypocrite right now. But like I don't. I don't think I needed to see like a zombie rape farm. Sorry, trigger warning, everybody out there. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that just came out of my mouth. But this was like a planned thing. Uh, in I don't think it's actually gonna be in the final product. From what I've read, like enough people have like like. That's had outcry about this, but like, so, oh, that's a plan. That, that was a that was that was part of a pitch for this like Zack Snyder oh, zombie follow up at one that point. That sucks. Yeah, like I don't I don't know what commentary about that I need from Zack Snyder is specifically. I'm not saying you can't do that in a horror movie. I'm saying who does that in a horror movie really matters, and. Like, I don't think Zack Snyder has no, anything particularly not. interesting to say about that. Absolutely. He should be staying away from that as far as possible. <laughs> the cast on this is like, I don't recognize any of these names except for Bautista. Does any of these ring a bell for you? Bautista. Uh, no. Yeah. Greg, oh, Garrett Dillahunt. I like him. He's a TV actor. Shows up all over the place. 4400. Uh, he was in... What was that show? 4400? The 4400 was a, like, USA science fiction show uh, about people who got taken by aliens and then all come back at the same time. Oh, yeah. Um, 
And then he was also in the follow-up to My Name is Earl, uh, Raising Hope. Um, Raising Hope was in a follow-up to My Name is Earl? Yes. I had no same, idea. I love that show. producer behind My Name is Earl oh. went on to do Raising Hope. Raising Hope was a fun show. I enjoy it a great deal. Yeah. Introduced me to one of my favorite bands that I haven't listened to in a while. Free nice. Energy. Um, <laughs> I'm really interested in this one that's just called Rock, Paper, Scissors. Well, we, like, Ouija is a copyrighted game, board game, <laughs> and trying to find other popular games to horror up is going to be difficult for, you know, Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That one's out in two, that one's out in a day and a half. You excited? No. Counting down the minutes to Rock, Paper, Scissors, the movie. Didn't even know about it. Yeah, me neither. It looks pretty rough, too. What is uh, the mission statement of upcominghorrormovies.com? Is it literally just any horror movie? There's no yeah. curation There's here. no curation. It's just the front page <laughs> is always just like, this is the this is the most, this is the soon to, re- to, soon to release. It's a shame you can't even, like, filter for what is going to be, like, video on demand versus what's actually. That makes me sound like such a snob. What is actually a movie? I mean, um. you're not wrong, though, because, like, none of this stuff, like, Critters Attack. That's, oh, that's, well, that's upcoming on VOD. I, I know a bunch of people who would probably be excited about that. For though. Critters Attack? Well, they're old like me. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's right. I think we already talked about it, but they're making another Black Christmas. Oh, right. This is a upcoming horrormovie.com that just got announced uh, this weekend. Two more Halloween movies. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That actually leads us into the episode today because part of why I wanted to talk about Halloween 2 is because they had, before uh, this weekend's announcement, announced that they were making Halloween 2. This will be the third Halloween 2 that we've had. Thankfully, the final product uh, is not actually called Halloween 2. It's actually two Halloween 2s. I guess. (laughs) No, that doesn't matter. It's Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills, which just makes me think of Machete. Yeah, yeah. Um, It seems like a very odd movie. It seems like a like Halloween Ends. uh, That's a title that like makes sense in this franchise, I guess. Yeah. So the third in the David Gordon Green Hollow Green trilogy will be uh, Halloween Ends. Is this the first Halloween sequel without a number in the title? Halloween Resurrection does not have a number in the title. And Halloween H20 does have a number in the title, but it's not like the number in sequence. Correct. Also, I think that um, depending on which edit you watch, which is a fun thing with these movies, Halloween 6 may or may not be called Halloween 6 on the title card. Okay. We don't have to talk about the yeah. other Halloween movies right now. That's a Halloween whole... 6 is where they retcon the end of Halloween, uh, Halloween H2O, right? Or is that before? No, no. Halloween 6 is before H2O. Yes, and then H2O and then Resurrection. Correct. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great middle finger, huh? We can spare all of that conversation I'm having until you later. Back. <laughs> I'm having you back for whenever we do Halloween H2O. Okay. And then for Halloween Resurrection, I will also have you back. <laughs> I mean, I hope that you have insurance on your podcasting in- equipment, because something's getting breaking during the, H- uh, not H2O, the Resurrection episode, because... Yeah. But do you want to talk about Halloween 2? Yeah, speaking of movies that are not Halloween Resurrection, Halloween 2. <laughs> there is a potentially infinite number of movies that are not Halloween Resurrection. Yes. I... And this is one of them. Yes. <laughs> We watched Halloween 2, the 1981 film. 
Yes, this is the uh, 1981 follow-up to the 1978 horror classic, Halloween. Three-year gap, same night. So, yes. Uh, let me set the stage a little bit, uh, what was going on in real life yes. in horror yes. around this time. Um, Halloween, John, Car John Carpenter's Halloween, as he would prefer it to be known, uh, is often called the first slasher movie. It's not. Um, I don't mean to start your episode with a, mm, actually, but uh, it's it's not really a slasher movie. It, it Like, when you compare it to other movies that got, get called slasher movies, it has a super low body count. It, there's not really the gore that comes to, like, uh, be identified with the genre. Um, there There is some sexuality, but not, like, the levels of it that we will see in the future yeah um it is if, if halloween is a slasher movie then psycho is a slasher movie and our good friends at the afi are not going to be calling halloween a slasher movie or not going to be calling psycho a slasher movie anytime soon um halloween does however inspire the 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 slasher movie glut yeah. that comes in the late 70s and especially the early 80s um, the the Reagan conservatism makes this a fascinating like period of horror history to mm -hmm. look at. Um, in between Halloween and Halloween Two, um, I've I've put together just a, a a list of some of the like slasher and like slasher movies. And because I started the episode with an um, actually. Uh, um, actually, I know some people are not going to consider a bunch of these slashers, but they have elements. If Halloween gets to kick it all off, then here we go. So, just to be clear, this is between October 25th, 1978 and uh, October 30th, 1981. So, just about exactly three years. So, what do we got, Kevin? We have, this is a, this is an incomplete list. Yes. Uh, the Driller Killer. <laughs> when a Stranger Calls. Oh, that's right. That's the one. That I forgot that there was. I always forget that there was an original before they made it into that like mediocre mid two thousands one. The call is coming from inside the house. Is that that or is that where that came, is that where that started? Wow, I did not know that. Uh, to all a good night, a Christmas themed one. <laughs> the silent scream, maniac, don't answer the phone with an exclamation point, so you know they're serious. God, that's a, is that like the indirect sequel to when a stranger calls? I, right, <laughs> <It's> spiritual. <laughs> Uh, or, in, the, or the spiritual prequel to One Missed Call. <laughs> in 1980, we have uh, one of the most famous sort of Halloween ripoffs, Friday the 13th, mm. which I love and we'll get to eventually on yeah. this show. Uh, then, we should do One Missed Call for, for, for Schlocktober. That American ver version of that is not good. Do you know One Missed Call? No. It's about a... It, it was originally a Korean horror movie, like a lot of mid-2000s horror movies were. Um, the original, the original was uh, you. You will get a phone call. You will not. You will, you will not get a phone call. You will get a voicemail, and on that voicemail is the sound of you dying. And then twenty four hours, you will die and make the scream that you hear on your voicemail. Hot. Yeah. And then they made it. And then they made an American version, and it's not very good. <laughs> All right. No more tan no more tangents. Because there <laughs> are a lot of mo a lot a lot of horror movies. <laughs> that come out in this three-year span uh, just to keep driving the point home. Yes. Prom Night with Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm. Uh, Mother's Day. Terror Train with Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> 
So she's developing quite a. She also did The Fog, which is in this period, which is not a slasher John movie. John Carpenter, but, right? Yes, John Carpenter's that? The Fog. Um, so establishing her reputation as the scream queen, the scream queen of this era. Yeah, Halloween was her first, right? Correct. Um, after Terror Train, Christmas Evil, <laughs> The Boogeyman. New Year's Evil, not a sequel. <laughs> it's a Christmas. T- came out like the same, like like two months later. <laughs> um, My Bloody Valentine. Ooh. The Fun House. Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Wow. The Burning. Graduation Day. Happy Birthday to Me. Uh, Hell Night. Don't Go in the Woods. Night School. The Prowler and Nightmare. That's 25 movies, most of them released in 1980 and 1981. Uh, it, this is a huge glut. Yeah, that's that that that's 1980, 19, but that means they had would have had been like all hands. Was was it 78 or 79? Sorry, 78. 78. So yeah, they okay. That makes more sense. I was like, damn, which from 79 to 80, they put it all hands. But that makes more sense. There's a year in between. Yeah, and so Halloween two is like the first one that came out after that, like boom. I guess. Yeah. And this is much more of a slasher. Absolutely. Um, and and that, from everything I've been able to gather from behind-the-scenes materials, from making out the documentaries on various discs and what have you, that comes from Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Um, the decision to move more towards what everybody else is doing is not some, like, corporate thing. That comes from Carpenter. Um, uh, on one of the documentaries... Um, that comes with the Shout Factory Blu-ray set. Um, and we'll talk about that set later. <laughs> I have I have a small complaint. I have a major complaint about that, and it's the same thing. It's the same complaint. <laughs> um, so according to uh, producer Erwin Yoblins, who was uh, producer on the first film, producer on this film. That's a phenomenal name. Isn't it? Erwin <laughs> Yoblins? You, oh, the mouthfeel. You find the best names in, like, independent movies of this era. <laughs> like, just people who come from all over the world to make American movies, and it's great. Erwin um, Yoblins was a uh, much bigger fan of what he called the the cinema of the mind, or the theater of the mind, which is how he describes the horror of Halloween, the original. Everything's in your head. You don't really see the kills. uh, um, Certainly not the most brutal of them, which is probably Bob's death impaled by a kitchen knife. Yeah. Um, You don't really see anything. No. You just see the end result, and your mind fills in the violence. Yeah, there's definitely something that happens to... um... There's always something that happens to, I can't remember her name, the blonde girl who's fucking Bob. Linda. Linda, yes. There's always something that happens to her after she gets strangled by the phone cord, but I don't remember, they don't show what it is. No. But there's but there, there's only more damage done to by the time By the time Lori discovers her body, there's only more damage done to her than just a simple phone cord strangulation. Right. Um, that's, just sim- the, that's just the appetizer. Yeah. Similar techniques uh, pulled from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. which has this incredibly brutal reputation and it is brutal i mean it that movie still fucks me up all this time later um but none of that gore is actually on screen it's all taking place in your head carpenter wanted to bring it on screen um he felt that the market had changed horror had changed since they made halloween in 78 and uh and we see this thinking uh a year later or two years later with the thing, mm-hmm. 
The Thing is an incredibly gory movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, just brutally gory. Wonderfully so. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. I love The Thing. Um, so you can see, like, this evolution in Carpenter's thinking about, like, horror and what the audience is expecting and yeah. how we're going to meet and, and exceed that expectation. Uh-huh. Carpenter didn't want to make this movie. Yeah, he did. So he didn't. Um, <laughs> well, he he is involved. Yeah. Um, he is involved a great deal. He wrote and produced, but did and, not direct. Uh, Deborah Hill is also back as a producer on this one. Um, Carpenter felt that the story was done after Halloween. Mm-hmm. And the story is done after Halloween. Michael falls out of the building after being shot six times. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, we will. <laughs> uh, and uh, was he shot to death? You would think, but no. He, oh come on! <laughs> he disappears. You're not taking me. You're not taking that bait. No. <laughs> <laughs> he he disappears and he becomes the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. And the story is over. He has become the the urban legend that uh, all of the children already fear. Um, and the story was over as far as Carpenter was concerned. But money was there to be made. And the movie was going to happen without him. Uh, with or without him. So rather than let somebody else make it, he comes on to write and produce this film along with Deborah Hill. Who Deborah Hill is not credited enough I think by a lot of uh, film scholars and critics talking about she's really responsible I feel for so much of the success of the first one Um, she is why those girls feel real yeah Um, and why we care about them and love them and are sad when they die this is no way to prove this Mm -hmm. but I feel like maybe Deborah may have been the reason that Annie survives that laundry that laundry room like scene. Like I feel I feel like there was a version of that script. Like maybe John didn't write it up. Maybe there was pressure from people to change that because that I, I feel like there was there may be a cut of that script somewhere where she does die there. Maybe I I have not seen any earlier drafts. Of right. Yeah. That's this is a, no no evidence to base this on. Just thinking out loud. Um, we should probably get into the movie sometimes. <laughs> well, this we, is, this we are into the movie because we are talking about uh, John Carpenter. Uh, you know, doesn't want to make the movie, goes and gets a six pack of beer and just starts getting drunk and starts writing. <laughs> um, and so that will that will also inform certain story decisions that we're going to talk about as we go along. Yeah. Oh, hey, Hill was born in Haddonfield, Haddonfield, New Jersey, yes. uh, which is where Haddonfield, Illinois from uh, the films gets its name. Um, New Jersey is where Jason Voorhees does his murdering. Um, So, interesting little crossover there. Yeah. Movie starts. Movie starts. This movie starts, like, just after... This movie starts with footage from the... And you can always... It's very easy to tell when the footage is from Halloween 1, because it's amazing the difference that you see in three years of filmmaking. Absolutely. And, like and I, I, I knew that I, I, I was really taken off guard by that the first time that I saw this that I was just like, whoa, okay, that's drastically different. I was expecting like, and I mean I don't like think that's to anyone's debt. That's not to anyone's detriment. It just really surprised me how much filmmaking evolved in the three short years in between Halloween one and Halloween two. Well, it's less that filmmaking in general evolves and more just 
they have a budget this time. Yeah, that's a good point. This is a universal picture, whereas yeah. the first is an independent film. Um, the yeah, wow, mm -hmm. I did not realize that. Yeah, the original had a budget of like three, like three hundred thousand. This one had a budget of two point five million. Yeah, and it made back that back tenfold. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, the movie actually starts with a title card. October 31st. Yes! 1978. Uh, and as Sarah pointed out, we're literally brought back to, uh, to Halloween of 1978 because mm -hmm. we have footage directly from yep. Halloween 1978 in the opening of the film. Um, but uh, before we even get to that footage, we open with a song. That's right, yes, Mr. Sandman. Dum, 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 dum. Bring me a dream. Boom, 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 boom. boom. the cutest that I've ever seen. I love this. <laughs> I love this song. Um, the song is like iconic for this series. I always forget that it's not in the first movie. Mm -hmm. um, I think because you know, watching H two O on cable was my introduction to the series, and that the film makes or the song makes a very like pointed reprise in that. Yeah, uh, that entry in the series. Uh, 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 Mr. Sandman has a very unfortunate association for me, which is with the television show Secret Life of the American Teenager. Ooh. Because there is a scene in which um, the girls stop. The girls in that show stop wanting to have boyfriends because they learn about masturbation, and then there's just a montage of them all being pleasured, like just being happy in bed, and it's set to Mr. Sandman. I don't know how that ruins it for you. It doesn't ruin it. I just think it's a bad show. Fair enough. And also, and also, in the middle of that scene, someone plays. Uh, is someone uh, that the Mr. Sandman stops because someone puts their iPod into their little iPod stereo from two thousand nine and starts playing Istanbul, not Constantinople, with the Giants. They dance to it for seventeen seconds, and then it goes back to Mr. Sa the end of Mr. Sandman. Fun. I nothing about this is sounding bad to me. I don't know. <laughs> um, it is a. It's a great musical choice here. It's it's light. It's bouncy. It's wonderful. Iron. Wonderfully ironic. It, that, that, that scene does end with one of the characters being instructed to go to go to jo.org. Which, by the way, go to jo.org, if I'm not mistaken, does redirect to the network on which Secret of the American Teenager can be watched. Freeform. Oh shit, there's a show about mermaids. We are so far away from Halloween 2 at this point. We are, I apologize. We have, we have made it to the first Not even the title card. <laughs> <laughs> so we get all that footage from the end of Halloween where, like, Laurie tells the kids to go run. They run out the door and they're like, help, help. And Loomis is just wandering around, just just having emerged from his bush. Uh, yeah, Loomis runs in inside. Laurie has stabbed Michael. All of the things we saw at the end of Halloween. Uh, he takes out his gun and he... Shoots him. How many times? Seven times? Or was it eight? He actually, yes. The line is going to be, I shot him six times! <laughs> That's not actually what happens. Because of the intercutting of the original footage of him shooting and the new footage. Yeah. Because we get this is the first time we get new, I think this is the first new footage we get of Michael Byers, like, jump, like, like he very much steps up on that balcony, which I don't remember from Halloween 1 to no. fall off. He very much trips over in the original, but like on this one he's just like, step, step, step up, and then he... Well, the original, you don't see the entire stunt, right? Yeah. Like in the original, you see him go over the edge, and then you see him on the ground. Mm -hmm. In this, uh, stuntman Dick Warlock is portraying uh, Michael. I know that that's, I know that that's the funniest name, name in the world to you. Um, what an incredible name. I've there's so much power in that name. It is. 
Uh, he could have been he could have been Richard. He's like, no, Dick. Dick Warlock. <laughs> Dick Warlock goes up over the edge of the balcony. Um, you're right. He does. If you're watching very closely, he doesn't trip so much as he kind of goes up a ramp and over the balcony. Yeah, but like I bet that's much safer. As oh yeah. His first stunt. Because we see him fall two stories. Yeah. Which is the first evidence like that we get in this movie of how hard Dick Warlock is going to go in because <laughs> Dick Warlock goes in like a man named Dick Warlock should. Yeah, Dick Warlock goes up. Is Dick Warlock doing all of Michael's stunts in this movie? Dick Warlock is amazing in this movie. He is doing pretty much all of Michael's stunts in this movie. He also has a couple other roles in the film that I forgot to write down. Um, so I apologize, Dick, if you're listening. Absolutely huge fan of your work, yep. just as you are a huge fan of this podcast, I am sure. Um, David Carvey's in this one, too. Yes, we'll get there. Yeah, we will. Um, so we, we, and like, this looks way, it's like, uh, uh, the original does not really, I, I feel like the original version of that stunt does not really, imp like, this feels so much, like, more of a fall to me. Oh, yeah. Like, I know it's a second story no matter what, but, like, in the first one, it just feels like so much less of a fall, because you do only see part of the stunt. You see the, you see him go over, and then you see him on the ground. Yeah. You don't actually see the fall. Yeah. And, and here Dick you do. Dick Warlock takes it like a champ. Oh, it's great. Um. But that's our first new footage. And to, to be fair, you know, it is all of the same production crew coming back. Mm -hmm. New director, and that influence, you know, um, is arguable. We'll, we'll talk about that as we go. But uh, mostly the same produ production crew, same director of photography. The difference you're seeing is really all about budget mm -hmm. and, and what the, the types of cameras they can afford to use, the types of lighting rigs they, they can afford to use. We have a crane shot. Yeah. The movie opens with a crane shot. Yeah. Uh, and so, right away, you know, we're, we're expanding the world of Halloween. At the end of that sequence, the neighbor comes out, and he's like, hey, what's going on out here? And Lewis is like, call the police! Call the police! I shot him six times! He goes, he goes I've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. And then Loomis replies with the absolutely, the be possibly the best line in the movie? <laughs> he has a lot of good lines in he the does. movie. He does. You don't know what death is. <laughs> and then he like, just kind of like scurries off, looks over his shoulder. And Kicking the theme, and then we go to the opening credits scene. Yeah, which is, I feel like this is way longer than the uh, first one. The opening credit sequence? Yeah. Probably because, you know, we have to follow all of the like very meticulous crediting rules because we have a studio behind us now. Yeah, point, point, point. Um, um, we have the jack-o'-lantern theme. The, who is the Ollie that is credited on this movie? Like, uh, uh, an Ollie... Is he just, like, one of the one of the guys bankrolling it? You mean um, Mustafa Akkad? Akkad, yes. Apologies. Yes. Uh, he was the producer on the... He was the kind of money behind the first film. Yeah, okay. I knew the name looked familiar. I thought he was attached to that first one, too. I just I just didn't recognize... I just didn't know what exactly part he played. Yeah. The Akkads go on to be... They, they're they still connected to this series. Yeah. They, they play... His, uh, Mustafa's son is still a producer on, on all of the modern Halloween films. Mm -hmm. um, we see this... Uh, developing on the theme of expanding the universe of Halloween, we see the jack-o'-lantern from the first film literally expanding, uh, breaking apart as, at the seams as the credit sequence plays out. And then a cool Halo 2 skull comes out. <laughs> there is a skull buried in, the, in this uh, jack-o'-lantern. Fun fact, that skull is, is the skull of the real Michael Myers that this film series is based on. Uh-huh. 
No. <laughs> no. Just wanted to. Just I'm wanted just to, totally bullshitting you. Just wanted, just you got a taste of lying yesterday. No, you can't. Caradron, <laughs> 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 uh, the the ruse for giving the switch to me was that since Caradron does not have a car. Um, she needed me to give her a ride to the GameStop, and her ruse was, oh yeah, I want to go buy a new video game, and I was just peppering her incessantly with questions about it, and she just had to, like... I'm so bad at lying. I can't tell if they were, if, if she was, if she just, like, was hit like a boulder, or I'm just the most oblivious person alive. Oh my gosh, it was like a cartoon. <laughs> she, she kept the ruse up, so... It was wonderful. It was, I cried. At the end of the credit sequence, we get the card for director Rick Rosenthal. Yes, his, de- his debut, correct? This is his feature debut. Um, he got the job because he was, he has the same agent at the time as John <laughs> Carpenter did. Um, Carpenter, at the, the agent talks about this on one of the documentaries on the Shout Factory DVD, or Blu-ray. Um, Carpenter's career was taking off after Halloween, and uh, that became kind of a bait and switch for the agent uh, who was like you know uh, John's busy but I do have this new guy that you can get for like half the price (laughs) Uh, so Rick comes in Rick is a huge fan of the original Halloween um, and wants wants to be very faithful to the original Um, I think think he does a good job of it Yeah, Uh, these are some of the other films he directed over the years uh since not a ton of movie work considering he's been working since 1981 Mm -hmm. um mostly a lot of television though yeah Uh, he directed bad boys in 1983 not the will smith martin lawrence vehicle no that was bad boys 2 no 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 (laughs) there was a bad boys 1 with martin lawrence and uh will smith before bad boys 2 this oh, is just this a completely is, is a unrelated bad movie Yeah, I thought you meant that. I did not know. I only heard of Bad Boys Two specifically because that's what they mentioned. That's what they name drop in Hot Fuzz. And so <laughs> I thought. I thought I don't know anything about Bad Boys One. So I thought that you meant like there is a Bad Boys One that did not have those two in it. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> totally also, unrelated. Movie. There's also a very bad PS2 game about Bad Boys Two. In 1984, he directed American Dreamer. Also in 84, Wasp, Love Machine. Wasp and Love are both acronyms. <laughs> in 87, he directed Ruskies. 88, Distant Thunder. 98, so taking a decade off from features to work in television throughout the era. Uh, Just a Little Harmless Sex. He'll come back to this series in 2002 with Halloween Resurrection. 2005, a movie called Nearing Grace, and 2013, a movie called Drones. Wait, wait, wait. Rosenthal did us like that? You haven't seen Resurrection. You don't get to. You don't get to Rosenthal comment. You You don't get to appropriate my pain. (laughs) Rosenthal did you like that? Well, yeah. We're not going to talk Resurrection on this show. We'll be here all day. Uh, Fun fact for you: um, among the myriad of television shows that he has been a director on. He did a 2006 episode of one of your favorite series, Veronica Mars. No way! What was it? Which uh, was it? What, do you remember what season? Uh, 2006, whatever year that was for Rod Veronica Rosenthal. Mars. Uh, the Quick and the Wed. Which was that? Might have been. That was the only season of that show I watched. That season's fine. People people didn't like it at the time, but uh, I think they probably like it more than they like the movie now. It's funny the way that works. That movie was okay. Fifteen tangents ago, yeah, <laughs> we talked a little bit about how um, 
the first Halloween film ends with Michael sort of uh, the, the editing at the end of the film, you know, we're we're in his POV. All we hear is like that that wet, hot, just disgusting breathing, breathing sound yep. of him in the mask. Uh, as we cut from like, uh, it's all footage from other parts of the film that's been edited together. But it leaves you with the impression this montage leaves you with the impression that Michael is everywhere now. Yeah, that he is not this this man in a mask but he is is something larger than life yes um that use of pov makes him something huge and so it's very interesting after the credits to come right back into michael's pov in halloween 2 but by necessity it's much more limited right now Mm -hmm. we know he's not in the wind and could be anywhere we know precisely where he is we have collapsed the way we've collapsed the singularity good I like that way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, he is Schrodinger's boogeyman, and so it's a, it, it's a little bit disappointing, you know. He, yeah. he he had been this huge thing, but it's necessary. It's the only right. way you get to make this movie. Um, we know exactly where he is, and he's hiding behind the Elron house, uh, watching Loomis uh, run up to a police car and Shut pull up. Sheriff Brackett out. And I shot him six times. It's like. I shot him in the heart. <laughs> Such a wonder. I shot him six times. Such wonderful performance from Donald Pleasance here. Forgive me if I use some of my psychic abilities to channel the late great Sir Donald Pleasance. Uh, he is. Sir, he was knighted. Yes. Wow. He is. Uh, he is very arch in this movie, and that's another thing that this. You know, we talked about expanding the Halloween universe. That's what this movie is here to do. Uh-huh. Um. The, the slasher elements, on the one hand, you know, I totally understand fans of the first movie who come to this one and they're they're disappointed that the sort of suspense of it all is, is gone. On the other hand, thinking through the logic of, of the, if, if we are going to start this story right at the end of Halloween, um, it makes sense that we are, like, Michael has already started killing this night. Yeah. He's already, he's killed three people teenagers as well as like the dude in the truck who he stole his clothes from um so he's sort of in like what uh what the profilers call uh berserker mode at this point he's, he's, in, he's in sicko mode yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> to, use, to use the kids parlance ah okay thank I, you for keeping me in touch with the you i have to place i have to i have to make you listen to sicko mode so you know what i'm talking about <laughs> um Loomis and uh, Sheriff Brackett take off in the car, leaving Michael to creep into the Elrond's house. Mrs. Elrond is looking in on her husband, who is asleep, watching the news in the other room. News interrupts with the terrible uh, crime that Michael has just committed. Um, We spend a lot of time in Michael's POV here. A lot more than in the first. And throughout this film, we'll spend a lot of time in his POV. Yeah. Um, I like it. Yeah. What's wonderful, though, is, like, the first couple of times I saw this movie, I I thought we were swapping out the POV shot for what Halloween, the the first Halloween, 1978's Halloween, does so masterfully, which is he's, he's, Michael is always, like, in the distance. Yeah. Michael is, Michael is in so many shots of that movie that you don't even know he's in because Mm -hmm. he's, like, 
in a car and you just have to be paying attention to what cars are driving by. Yeah, I feel like I've watched that movie like five, six times at this point, and I feel like every time I notice a scene where Michael is that I hadn't seen prior. Yeah. The fun thing is, uh, loving this movie the way that I do and rewatching it so many times, that's in this movie too. Mm-hmm. Um, you pointed some of those out to us last night. Uh, the first one we get is right here, yeah. where he's stalking Mrs. Elrond. We get the reverse shot from his POV, and there he is, completely out of focus, just the sheep. Just grabbing a knife. He picks the, up the knife. Mrs. Elrond comes around. Uh, she sees the, that her knife has been stolen. There's blood on her cutting board. And she screams! Yep. Is there uh is this is this about when uh Ben what's his face gets it? No, we we're not anywhere near there yet. <laughs> oh wow. The young lady who lives next door hears uh hears her neighbor scream and Yes, yes comes out Mr. Elron Mrs. Elron uh goes back inside, resumes her phone conversation. This is the most chilling line in the movie. Dr. Loomis has all of these wonderfully arch-gothic horror monologues throughout the whole damn thing about the nature of evil and how empty and soulless his patient was. Very bad psychiatrist, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, This is the most chilling line in the movie. The young woman goes back to her phone call, and she she says to her friend, His wife's always picking on him. He probably finally got... He... He probably got angry and decided to finally start beating her. <laughs> Terrifyingly blasé. Just, uh, just, ooh, chilling. Uh, for this, Michael murders her. Because Michael, <laughs> he's not here for, you know, people who justify spousal abuse like that. Oh, no. Um, Michael yeah. is a champion yeah. for the... He, uh, yeah. <laughs> for the beating. Oh, God. Is this, do we get, uh, is this like where, where she's on the phone and we get like the over the shoulder shot of Michael like walking in the front door and just kind of like excusing himself to the side corridor? Absolutely. More of that great like Michael out of focus, just yeah. the shape yeah. of him. Dick Warlock uh, has that, the way he moves is wonderful. Fans love to come up to him at, at conventions and they'll be like, do the walk, do the walk. And he, he just kind of shrugs. He's like, well, that's just kind of how I walk. <laughs> Dick. Yeah. Mr. Warlock, if I may call you Dick. <laughs> God, what a name. But yeah, this is the moment where she comes through the Barnes and Noble house. And, yes, because um, there's B and M on her Yeah, there's the, it's probably her parents' first names, but yeah, it's uh, B and N. Um, I'm sure that's a like white people, middle class, suburbia thing. Bread and necklace. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, uh, and... She's dead. Yeah, she's gone. Like, she comes through the door and she's gone. He, the, that kitchen knife, Chekhov's kitchen knife is buried between her ribs. Yep. And, uh, little jumps, very effective little scare. And this is where we start to, this is really where we see our, our slasher influence. Mm-hmm. To Halloween, 1978, doesn't do this. Does not introduce a victim just to kill, kill her. Kill her, yeah. Um, Halloween 2, no qualms about it. Yeah, this character is completely unrelated, to the, and it, it all—I feel like it like sets us up for like not having any unrelated deaths. I guess not like you know unrelated to the thing writ large, because because like she he very obviously avoids like the the El, the Elrons. Yeah, which is interesting. You know, they are spared his murderous wrath, uh, but young woman talking on the phone, she gotta die. Yep. Um, 
we cut from uh, Michael's first kill of this movie yes. is f- fourth kill of the night. We don't maybe fifth kill because we like it's unclear when he killed the the um, mechanic. Yes. Whether he killed the mechanic Same on day. October 29th or October or October 30th or October 31st. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um we cut back to Lori coming out of the house from the first film on a stretcher carried yes. by Jimmy yep. and Bud. Jimmy and Bud. This is also the debut of, of the wig. I don't know if you caught that. So by 1981, uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis had already started cutting her hair short. Oh, really? Uh, which is probably, I think that's probably her most famous look. Is like yeah, she, she was short-haired all through the 90s into the early aughts. That's how I know her in Freaky Friday. Yes. <laughs> and it's a really good look for it her. It is. That's also how I know her in the Activity Day commercials where she tells you to eat yogurt to poop, to poop better. Activity! <laughs> um, so she's already cutting her hair short by 1981 so she is in a wig for this whole movie. I did not catch that. I'll have to keep closer eye on next time we watch it. Usually it looks pretty good in this introduction shot. <laughs> it's it's a bit it's a bit much. It's a bit rough. But yeah, we meet, we meet Jimmy and Bud. Jimmy and Bud. And they load her into the ambulance. We take off, and then we cut to her destination, Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. With the, with the establishing shot that we see maybe five, six times in the movie? It's a lot, yes. Uh, and here we get, you know... Um, I, wonder if there's any, I wonder if it's the exact same shot or if there's, like, minor differences each time. I'd like to think of all those shots side by side. You'd think I would have noticed. I watched this movie four times this week in preparation for the show. <laughs> <laughs> Never noticed. Uh I'm just, I get so caught up in it, that kind of stuff doesn't catch me, so, like, necessarily. Yeah. Um, and here we get something that Halloween 1978 was also playing around with. We get the, um... He was just making funny motions. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we, we have a lizard friend who's yeah. very, like, excited and, and very happy that we're talking about Halloween, too. <laughs> yeah, Smile, Smile loves it. <laughs> The first Halloween movie played around a lot with these urban legends about Halloween. Yes. Michael himself becomes the urban legend of the boogeyman yes. who, who gets who gets kids on Halloween. I night. mean, he, he yeah, he already was sort of the boogeyman. Because remember that kid? Uh, what's the kid's name again? The boogeyman's gonna get you. Yeah, exactly. That, the Myers house. You're not supposed to go up there. Yeah. And the, the other kids are very obviously scared of it because when Donald, <laughs> when Loomis is just hiding behind his bush and he's like, "Hey, get on." Yeah. Get on out of here, kids! He's, he's like so self-satisfied. He's like, "Oh, you guys scared some children." So we get the appearance of a of a different Halloween uh, urban legend, and this is the razor blade in the in the candy apple. Yeah, we talked a lot about this last night. When we we did. Um, I don't know. Is that like you are about nine years younger than me? Yeah. Um, is that still a myth? that like is it was like on its way out like i feel like i saw i feel like it was like the aftermath of the myth that i caught like where like there were like it was like the punchline in mad magazine a couple of times when i read it and such like that but like i was not but i was not in serious warned of it yeah so for our, our young gen z listeners out there in the world and editors who yeah uh <laughs> throughout the like uh 70s and and 80s and into the 90s a little bit but from what I'm hearing, less so. Yeah. Uh, a big myth that went around was that uh, your neighbors or or some... It's part of the general stranger danger awareness yeah. of the era is that watch out, check all of your children's candy on Halloween night because 
you never know if it's been tampered with. Yeah. Horror stories of children showing up in emergency rooms with tongues sliced open because of razor blades hidden in their candied apples. Yeah. Uh, we have a poor little child who's experienced this. Yeah, and we get like a silhouette of it. That does not look good. It's tragic. Yeah. It, it, like it. It is rough. I feel like in the in like the age of Twitter, I feel like I've seen seen an image shared around Halloween every time. It's just like make sure none of these are in your kit, and it's just like like drugs in there. And like who is giving away? Who has the amount of drugs to just give it away for free to children? Yeah, ed- edible can ed- um, cannabis edibles are expensive. Nobody is drugging your kids with them. No, acid is acid costs money. Like yeah. Yeah, nobody. That's not a funny prank. You don't even get to see the kid trip. No. Uh, <laughs> Not that it would be fun to watch, but like ostensibly that's that's what these people want, and they don't it, get to see it. It could be fun to watch. I feel like I'd feel bad for the kid. I would. <laughs> so for the record, um, this has never happened the way the myth lays it out. Yeah, uh, kids have had sabotage candy at Halloween. It is almost always a part of a larger like pattern of abuse between that child and a a family member or yeah. a trusted individual. Mm-hmm. The stranger danger version of the myth where, like, some random person is going to, like, fuck up your kid's candy, statistically speaking, doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm sure someone out there is going to link us to, like, the one case, but that's the exception that proves what I'm saying. Yeah. There, there's, al- there's always an exception. Um, so this hospital, yes. Haddonfield Memorial, I talk a lot. I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I love this movie and I just love talking about it. We get we go to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital HMH. This is where we're introduced to the memorial. The this is where we're introduced to the majority of our new cast and our new victims. Yes. <laughs> the, oh, none sad. of them. None of them make it alive except for Jimmy, who's like maybe alive. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um. Rosenthal met most of this cast through an acting class that okay. he was in. Huh. Uh, he was very nervous as a first time director. Um. And he had been in this acting class with, like, Leo Rossi, a number of the other actors who are in the piece. Um, and since he already had this relationship with them, he, he brought them all together and said, hey, let's make this movie. Um, so here, as Lori comes in, this is where we're introduced to a lot of them as they rush around. Some of them know who she is because this is a really... This, driving home the fact that this is a really small town mm-hmm. that this horrible thing is happening in. This is also where we get, uh, we, we talked a lot about Michael's POV shots. This is where we get the introdu- introduction of Jamie's POV shots into the, um, into the filmic language of this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's going, that is, uh, we first, our first one is while Jamie, not Jamie, our first one is while Lori is being put under. Um, she's struggling. She doesn't want to be put out. Doctors are not listening to her. Our doctor comes in, by the way, Dr. Mixter, and this man is very obviously drunk. <laughs> drunk doctor part one. This man just came from a Halloween party where Lori's parents were supposedly at, and he is working drunk. Oh. They drug Lori, and we get the POV shot as she starts to go under... And this is where the, like I was uh, starting to say, the filmic language starts to really connect Lori and Michael narratively. Yeah. Um, which is going to be the, the big plot point for this film, is, is the connection between the two of them. 
Yeah, so so uh, in, we've already been introduced to Lance Guest as Jimmy. Uh, he and Bud, played by Leo Rossi, were yep. pulling Lori's uh, stretcher out of the house. Yeah, the EMTs. Lance Guest would later go on to star in The Last Starfighter, a big 80s um, attempt to make a new Star Wars that didn't really make the... Yeah. A lot of fans of that movie, I have not personally seen it. Seen it. Um, it is being remade soon by, uh, written by Gary Whitta. Huh. Um, Leo Rossi is from that crew that was in the acting class yeah, yeah, with, yeah. with uh, the director Rick Rosenthal. Uh-huh. He plays Bud Scarlatti, and he is the most he is the most East Coast New York sounding resident of Hadfield, Illinois. Yeah, um, definitely moved there. Uh, yeah, producers uh, argued against him getting the role because of that, but he was, you know, he was one of uh, Rosenthal's friends. And a thing I'm just learning is that Annie Brackett from the first movie, like you mentioned the last night, is also in this one. I did not know that her last name was Loomis, which is probably where Dr. Loomis gets his name. No, I think that's just a coincidence. Just a coincidence? Actually. Yeah. Wow, really? Yeah. It's a wild coincidence. Either way, yeah, Annie, Annie Brackett, Nancy Loomis, comes back to play a corpse in, like, one scene for her dad to cry over. Yeah. Um, speaking of her dad, uh, this is where, actually, after Lori goes under, we cut to Chief Brackett and, uh, or Sheriff Brackett, I should say. Yeah. And Dr. Loomis riding around in a police car. We're introdu- reintroduced to Sheriff Brackett here. Saw him a little bit before. Um, Charles Cipher's returns mm-hmm. from the first Halloween. Great name. Right, like if you have, if you're going to be an actor, make sure you have a good actor name like yeah, Charles, Charles Cyphers. Great, what a good name. Uh, and and Brackett is already distraught. He has no idea how distraught he's about to be. Yeah, he's riding around with uh, Loomis. You let him out. He's directly blaming Loomis. You let him out. Loomis kind of pathetically tries to defend him. I didn't let him out. Uh. You couldn't have shot him six times. I did. Loomis reloads his gun. Uh, and as they're driving around, they see Michael Myers. A bunch of kids are out trick-or-treating, and, and in the distance behind them, the shape. The shape. Uh, they pull over the car. Loomis is screaming, get out of the way! Get out! <laughs> yeah, he's ready, to, he's ready to shoot. He's absolutely ready to shoot. And it's only with the it's only with the uh, the uh, interference of Sheriff Brackett that he does not shoot. But it doesn't matter because Michael Myers gets fucking run down in the street like a dog. Yeah, so uh, another police car is responding to the scene. Uh, and um, Michael Myers behaving in a very un-Michael Myers fashion. Yeah, he's walking very fast. Probably a little bit too fast for Dick Warlock. <laughs> Sees Loomis with the gun and and starts to flee. Uh, you cross, know. Yeah, crosses doesn't, the road. Doesn't quite run, but does just starts like kind of... Pick like, up the pace, yeah. Hop, hippity-hoppity across the street. Yeah. Police car slams right into him. <laughs> yep. Sorry for popping your ears again, friends. I'm bad at this podcasting thing. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Um... Uh, which in turn slams directly into a van, and the entire mess <laughs> goes, up. goes up in flames. It's almost it's it's kind of comical because Loomis runs up and he's just making this oh no face because like <sighs> Brackett is like is it him is it him and Loomis is just like uh. absolutely like foreshadowing by the way 
uh, for another great man on fire yeah. to come. This is not a man on fire. No, this is a dummy on fire. This is a dummy on fire. Um, and I know this not is... to talk that way about the poor person who got blown <laughs> yeah. up because you may not have put it together yourself at home. But I would not have if you had not pointed it out. <laughs> it's not actually Michael Myers. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, I noticed that. I didn't say the other thing, which is that this is uh, <laughs> this is to reveal the thing that comes out maybe half an hour later that. Uh, this is Ben Tramer, uh, a.k.a. the girl, that, uh, the boy that Laurie, Laurie had a crush on in the first movie that Annie teases her about. Yeah, so uh, so throughout the first movie, Annie is, is teasing Laurie about the fact that she, she hasn't dated anybody. It's because she's gay. It is absolutely... <laughs> Not to dwell on Halloween 78 too much, because you already did that show, even though it's not showing up in the feed. Yeah, it's disappeared from the feed. <laughs> We're looking for a fix to that, by the way. Uh, but... but Lori is absolutely like gay, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Not even a question. Uh, you know the the entire Ben Tramer conversation to me as a lesbian has always read as well. Lori clearly is in love with Annie. Yes. And when Annie started teasing her, don't you have a crush on anyone? She's like, uh, 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 uh Ben Tramer. Yeah. Poor Ben Tramer got his name picked out of a hat. By, by Lori, which is somehow triggered a cosmic string of events. <laughs> that led to him being that, fucking... <laughs> that led to him somehow purchasing the same mask that Michael Myers had stolen from the hardware store earlier that day. Yep. Not quite the same mask. It's a variant in the series. Yes, because um, this one is blonde, right? Yeah, Tramer's I, mask is blonde while Michael's it, has dark hair. Yeah. Uh... He's in his, he, and what is he dressed as? I don't know. <laughs> I I I feel so bad for Ben Tramer because I don't even know what he went to this Halloween party as. Well, he didn't go to the Halloween party as anything. He went as a corpse, <laughs> and he left as a corpse. Yep, yeah, because he is just gone, gone, gone. Is in a blaze of. <laughs> it's it's a really funny bit of continuity, honestly. It's it's really sad and like if. I, I didn't even catch it the first couple of times I saw the movie because, yeah. like, Ben Tramer is not in the first one. No, why would just you be me. paying attention? I mean, there's a lot of boys in that movie that are only that are, that are boys by name only, which is how boys should be. Really, uh, <laughs> we don't spend a lot of time on our poor victim here because no. another police officer, uh, who in my notes I wrote down as new cop because. New cop. And this is the complaint I want that we both have about this Shout, Shout Factory disc. I bought it because it, 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 A, it has really great picture quality. It has a lot of special features, it, it, including the, um, the uh, 1980s extended television edit of the movie, uh -huh. which gives you an interesting, you know, alternate view of this story. So I recommend it for that reason. The problem is, there is absolutely no subtitling on this None disc. whatsoever. And I have I have a hard time with, with movie dialogue sometimes. Yes, absolutely. Especially considering the amount of conversations that we have over. We, we like to talk during the movie. Yes. Because we're friends. Yeah. It's a weird concept, I know. <laughs> um, and also because, you know, like, especially when you're watching an older... This movie, although it's early 80s, is still kind of holding on to that late 70s aesthetic so there's a lot of like very like naturalistic dialogue that's 
a lot of it's ad-libbed, honestly, and yeah. we'll get to a scene where with a lot of it in a moment. Yep. It's difficult for me to make out as someone with a little bit of a audio processing issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, new cop drives up while fake Michael's body is still on fire. Uh, the cop that killed fake Michael is is standing there completely in shock about what he's act, just accidentally done. Um, but new cop enters the scene, runs up to Chief Brackett. They've just found the, the, the three teenage bodies from the first movie. And one of them was Annie! <laughs> uh, this is a, you know, this is a nice... You, you mentioned it earlier, um that uh, Nancy Loomis returns as Annie Brackett for Halloween 2. Uh, she, she literally plays a corpse. Yes. Not a lot of horror movies have this moment where you, get to, where you actually follow up with the effect of the, of the horror mm-hmm. on the victim's families. Um, and it's, it, it's not a lot of the movie. This is, this is going to be, spoilers, this is going to be uh, Sheriff Brackett's exit from the narrative um but he's he's distraught yeah he's absolutely distraught and it's a very effective moment um that yeah uh i think one series that does tend to be a bit better about this is the nightmare on elm street series but that hasn't happened yet at this point yeah that's when is that 84 84. is when that series will start uh so we cut back to the hospital and jimmy comes into Laurie Strode's, aka Sleeping Beauty's chamber. Yeah, I, I don't like this character. You don't like Jimmy? I don't like Jimmy. Why do you not like Jimmy? I don't like Jimmy because he's creepy. Jimmy is a Jimmy is presented as like the the, the good, yeah. option. Yeah. Um. I mean, compared, to, he's better than Bud, no question. He's absolutely like, better than Bud. Uh, but that's like that. That bar is like subterranean to clear. Right. <laughs> There's a strong lack of professionalism in this hospital, with the exception of Mrs. Alves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is just trying her darndest to do like. But she's got like she's got people like fucking on the job. She's got like a, she's got a she got an EMT obsessed with one of his patients. She's got like just the drunkter. She is the one African American cast member in the film, yep. and she is just like rolling her eyes, trying to get her work done while all these white people are fucking off. In in many cases, literally fucking off. <laughs> just fucking off of this mortal coil. Uh, but yeah, like Jimmy, Jimmy, Mrs. Alves comes in to put the kibosh on Jimmy's inappropriate patient flirting. Um, but he, he doesn't he doesn't leave the room without uh, one little bit of product placement. He's gonna get Laurie a Coke. <laughs> uh, this is actually What was the movie we were watching recently that had just like a, a shitload of, pro- of like Pepsi product placement in the middle of it? Oh, I can't. Do you, do you remember what I'm talking about? I feel like there was like there was a scene where just like there was a bunch of people around computers and like someone was like here I brought you a Pepsi and like they just like flashed the can to the. Camera. I know exactly. I'm picturing it in my mind, but it's gone from. Yeah, my... I cannot remember the movie. Uh, I'm sure it's on your shelf somewhere. I'll look at it. <laughs> this is the point in the movie uh, where we see Annie's body come out, and the existence of new cop gives Loomis uh, free reign to monologue at length about Michael Myers. Yeah. Um, 
catching up anybody who who had had forgotten perhaps what happened in 1978 three years earlier yeah um we're also introduced to uh someone who's late for work yes nurse kathy Katie? Uh, karen karen, karen bailey karen thank you yeah Pamela um, Susan Shoop, also a great name. Shoop, baby Shoop. Shoop. <laughs> you gotta run, so run, baby, run. She you has, gotta shoot, so shoot, Susan Shoop. The we're introduced to poor Miss Susan Shoop, who's probably never gotten tired of everybody making fun of her name, um, with a whole lot of business about her being a shit friend. Yeah. Uh, she's gone shopping with a friend and promised to drive her friend home afterwards and now wants to renege on that, which absolutely is why Michael Myers is going to kill her. Because yep. Michael Myers values friendship above all else. Yes. <laughs> he, he values friendship and not joking about your neighbor beating his wife. Right. Don't beat your wife, says Michael Myers. <laughs> Be a good friend, says Michael Myers. That's right. It's Reagan's America now. Um... <laughs> They have a lot of Ignore the AIDS crisis, says Michael Myers. Oh my god. <laughs> they have a lot of business here about how long it's going to take her to go to her friend's house, drop her off, get changed, go back to the hospital. I think a lot of this is there as like a, a pre... like I think that Rick Rosenthal is a clairvoyant or clair... Whatever, yes. And he saw... In, not clairvoyant, uh, soothsayer. He saw into the future predicted the existence of cinema sins and inserted this scene just to deal with all the, the bullshit people who are like uh, if they left the parking lot at the same time but she was in a car and Michael was on foot how did they arrive at the hospital at the same time she had to drive all over Ding. the place yes <laughs> oh god <laughs> it's ruining your brains I, I, I remarked on this when we were watching. Uh, I, it might have been. There might have been something else. I can't remember. But it, I remember Halloween that, one. Yes, we were watching Halloween one, and I uh, remarked that like I've watched those movies. I've watched those videos for like a year or two back in college, and it made me worse at watching movies. It's, like I am still consistently unlearning those th the things that CinemaSins drilled into me. But don't worry, Rick Rosenthal was prepared. Yeah, we've got all this business right here. Yes, uh, Michael. Uh, wanders through this parking lot, bumps into a kid dressed up as a cowboy for Halloween. Or maybe he just wears a cowboy hat in his day-to-day -day life. We don't know. <laughs> uh, carrying a boombox. Uh, and on the boombox, he hears the news report that Laurie Strode has been brought to Penfield Memorial Hospital. I missed that. I missed that that's how he knew. That's how he knew. This is why HIPAA laws exist now. You're welcome, America. Uh, Michael Myers is not going to get you now. He slams into this kid, kind of in a repeat of... The scene from the first movie. By the school. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and, and when he does, the new version of the theme kicks in. And I love the soundtrack on this movie. It's great. It's it just taking those themes from the first one blowing them all the yep. way out yep. on like the most 80s synthesizer yep. you've ever heard yep. 
lot of, lot of people hate this soundtrack out there. A lot of people love this soundtrack. Count me in the latter. Yeah, I think the soundtrack is genuine. I, I, I mean, I think a lot of, I think most of Carpenter's soundtrack work is great, what I've heard of it at least. Um, I think this one is phenomenal because it's just like the most, it's so simple. Like the, it's just like the, ba, 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 ba. That's, that's just three notes. Right. And then the, the, the part at the end, the, 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 the intense thing is just like, da, da, da. One note. It's so good. Yeah, and this movie, like like the jack o' lantern in the credits, expands on that. It make it fills out that. Yes, sound. it builds on it. But oh, so good. I love yeah. it so much. Uh, after Michael's stalking, and we get this glorious representation of the theme. Cut to our victims <laughs> hanging out in the nurses' lounge at the hospital, yes. watching the news yep. and getting stoned. Yep, buddy is smoking with some is smoking a joint with some forceps because this is the point where it's too it's too uh, too far smoked to. <laughs> we have some wonderfully ad lib dialogue here where Bud wants nothing more than a pizza, <laughs> a great big one with sausage, onions, and peppers. That sounds pretty good. It it's my grandfather's favorite pizza, and he's not wrong to have that opinion. No, it's a pretty good pizza. But no mushrooms. I hate mushrooms. <laughs> He's smoking, he's smoking a joint. Uh, we also check in with the hospital security guard at this point, Mr. Garrett. Yes, Mr. Garrett. Is he our first victim besides the girl on the on the phone? Uh, we will get there in a moment. Yes. Um, he's got to go check on the pool? Uh, not yet. Right now he's too busy watching Night of the Living Dead. Yes, it's, it's, which is also what uh, Mr. Elrond was watching when the news report broke in. So they're tuned, they're tuned to the same channel. Too bad he wasn't looking at his security monitor. Where they were showing, where Michael Myers was very just like walking, like walking in plain view of it. Uh, we cut back to the nurse's lounge at, once we've established that Michael is inside. And uh, Karen finally arrives to work. Yes, I'll, I'll dress to the nines. She the is. most skin-tight nurse's uniform I've ever seen in my life. Well, we weren't around back then. When no, I know. I know. I'm just saying that, that I, I'm not saying that it is like over. I'm not saying it is overdone by any means. I just genuinely don't know, and I'm just saying that like my mother's a nurse, and like she just wears like scrubs, which which she should, because that's much more practical nursing attire. Yeah, but she's like wearing this like skin-tight like fucking. <laughs> Hello, nurse. Yes, exactly. Outfit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and she Her goes, and Bud are involved. Yes. Uh, does she talk to Bud before she talks to the lead nurse? Yeah, nurse? she checks in with her her boyfriend before she checks in with her boss. Yeah, she's just like, hey, what's what's going on? He's like, uh, 15 minutes. Fun tip for people who are new in the workforce. Check in with your boss before you check in with your boyfriend. Especially if you're already late to work. And especially if you work in the baby the baby protection oh, area. Yes, so she's actually she is a maternity ward nurse. Like I'm not I'm not saying that there I'm not saying that you should never check in with your boss first. I'm just saying that the ba- like if you are the maternity if you are the maternity ward nurse who's in charge of keeping the babies alive, you need to like above all else. Like if you're if you're in like yeah, especially like with there are like there's like no coverage because like there are like there are eight employees in this hospital and all of them are murdered by the end of this movie. It's Halloween. Yeah, I, everybody has everybody, Halloween off. Everybody's entitled to one good scare. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, after the, after Karen ducks out to go check in with her boss, we get a wonderful song from Bud. 
Amazing Grace. Place it on my face. I need. Don't your make me cry. I need your pie. Which is exactly on on key and on like beat with Amazing Grace. Yep, it's it's filthy. It's yeah. <laughs> Jimmy is is not happy about no. it. Jimmy's and, pretty upset. <laughs> I, I, I like one of my. It's, I don't know your things. Movie. I know we've already talked about it. I love the forceps joint. The like not forceps. It's like uh, stitching uh, scissors. Yeah. It's like the scissors that have like the points on the end to like grab stitches. I love it so much. I yeah. want, I, like, that is genuinely what I want for when I'm at the end of the joint. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy's not happy about it. He's all messed up because uh, Lori goes to school with his kid brother. Yeah. And not at all because he's kind of turned on by her. Which may, I, yeah, that's even more creepy. That I, I, completely, I completely forgot that, like, Jimmy is, like, an adult. Well, he's, he's, he's a... Uh, He's, it's one of those gray areas that, like, libertarians love to throw at people about. Yeah. Like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, point. Fair, but, but like, in, in many states, and especially in the 70s, this actually wasn't inappropriate. Right, yeah. Is, is all I'll say about that. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we're back to Michael's POV wandering the empty halls of the hospital. The baby for the baby this mode. Is, this is where we're introduced to the babies. Yes. Yes. Michael's standing watching over them. Yes, and this is one of the shots that I didn't catch the first time because there's the argument between uh, Karen and Doctor Mrs. Alves. Mrs. Alves. She's not a doctor. That's right. Head nurse. Um, between Karen and Mrs. Alves, where she's where uh, Karen is being admonished for being late, and like behind them, but behind the glass, like in the baby in the baby tank, which. There's a the, the maternity ward, whatever I call it, the baby tank, just the baby keeping zone. Um, you just see Michael like pressed up against the wall, just like standing there, like a Grand Theft Auto character in Idol. And there's no reason you should notice him. No, he's it's wonderful. He's, he's completely out of focus. He's he's just a shape in the background. Kind of blends in with the background. It's so. And then when you do, and you jump. Yeah. Question: Is this mask different? From the first movie. It oh, is, right? So that's a really good question, actually. Um, this is the same mask. Really? It looks so different. So here's why. It is not the same mask as in they did the same technique and made uh, the same, remade the original it's, mask. Yeah, it's identical. It the, is the same prop. The same prop. Okay. So, so it's after, been... the, after the filming of Halloween, um, the mask went home with Deborah Hill. Huh. And uh, was just kind of in a pile of stuff or in a box under her bed for those three years in between the making of Halloween. When they went to make Halloween 2, you know, who has the mask? For whatever reason, they didn't think, well, we can just make a new one, grab another Shatner (laughs) thing. Who has the mask? Deborah Hill went home, grabbed it out from under the bed. She was such a chain smoker, though, that three years under her bed aged the mask like 20. Oh my goodness! So it's it's the exact same prop, just with three years of like a pack-a-day cigarette oh. build-up on it. <laughs> you think Dick Warlock was getting like some second-hand smoke? Oh, I'm <laughs> sure that thing stank to high heaven. All the more uh, reason we should be praising what, what Dick Warlock yeah. accomplishes in this movie. I gotta be honest, I don't like cigarettes. I don't like the smell. That's fair. Uh, I don't think even people who like the smell of cigarettes 
like the smell of latex that's been bathed yeah. in secondhand oh, cigarette smoke for the, three years. I forgot about the latex element of it. Oh, it's gonna be so sweaty too. <sighs> yeah. He is not he is not he is not aerated properly in that janitor's uniform. Or the mechanic's uniform. Uh, after this wonderful scare with Michael in the background, yep. um, we go back to Jamie, Lee Curtis, playing Lori. I'm going to do that a bunch, and it only gets worse as the series goes on, which, like, again, we'll talk about later. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy is back in her room again, even though Mrs. Alves just told them to get the fuck out. Yep. Uh, and he is the one who I tells hate her. I so fucking much. <laughs> you know, like, I... Just because of who he is in this world with, I've never really hated him that much. But no, you're—I mean, you're absolutely right too. Like, he sucks. He, yes. He really <laughs> imprints on a woman and is just like, oh, she needs me, and she is not in a state where she can really say no to his advances. It's it's Jacob and the creepy CGI troll baby all over again. Oh no! I should do some imprinting. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Oh, that baby looks so bad. Uh, Jimmy is the one to tell Lori that the boogeyman who has been chasing her all night is Michael Myers. Uh, Michael Myers of the Myers house. Michael Myers, Myers house that her father, Mr. Strode Realty, is trying to sell. Um, she knows the story thanks to Tommy in Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and she knows that Michael Myers killed his sister and asks, but why me? Why me? And that's, be- that's oh. the question with the first movie. Mm. Oh, not, not, I don't think she says in the first movie, but it does feel like, a, like before before Michael Myers is Laurie's brother, like, the question is very, like, why me? It's like it's a very, the um, what's that movie with the bags on their head? The Strangers? Oh, the, because the, you were home. Right. I mean, the, the answer in Halloween is super easy. It's because... He's the first, she is the first teenage girl that he saw yep. when he got home. Yep. So that's why he latches on to her. Um, the question, once you go into a sequel, becomes a little more complicated. Yeah. Why would he keep going after her? Right. When there's a whole world full of, like, people to murder. Uh, and that's why this subplot gets introduced. But before <laughs> we get an answer, Mrs. Alves barges in again. And kicks Jimmy out. So get the fuck out, Jimmy. Stop being horny. She has a line, can't, men can't live with them, can't live without them, which I can. Yeah. I can live without them. I feel bad for Mrs. Alvis here, because I are wish... Cu- there are a couple of men in my life that I that are, that my life is made better by, but like as a whole... But could you live without them? Uh, I don't know. Blur does a lot of editing. That's fair. <laughs> Thank you, Hi, Blair. Blair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the phones go out. Uh-huh. Um... Mrs. Alves tells Lori, you know, she's been trying to reach her parents, uh, but they can't get through to them. Uh, Like I said before, they are supposedly at the same party that Dr. Mixter was just at. Huh. um, But she can't get through to them. Um, So... I kind of forget that Lori has parents. Yeah, we see her father very briefly in Halloween 78. Huh. When he sends her to go drop off the keys at the Meyer. Yes, that's right, that's right. Um, but I don't believe we see her mother in the film, and they are a non-presence in, the, in this film. Um, Mrs. Alves sends another nurse, Janet, uh, to go inform the security guard who we had set up before, Mr. Garrett, that the phones are out. Yep. Um, and this is where Mr. Garrett goes to check the pool. The, yeah, it, 
we think he says pool, can't really be sure because of the lack of subtitles, and it doesn't really go to a pool, and not even like a motor pool. Yeah, I, I was trying to give him the benefit, maybe he was checking the motor pool for some reason. He just goes and checks the trash cans in the back. Yeah. We get a we get a jump scare. Very the cat. The cat in the trash can. Yeah. Poor cat. Yeah. Uh, someone tossed that, someone tossed that cat out in a bag. Jump scare! Jump scare! <laughs> Um, and that's a, that's a jump scare that's used in the trailer. Yes, it is. Uh, Mr. Garrett uh, keeps looking around, goes to check out the storage And his radio, the, the radio that he gave to the other nurse, who, what was her name again? Nurse Janet. Janet, thank you. I was going to say Judy. Um, the, she, she doesn't know how to figure it out. And she's like, hey, how do you work this thing? And he just kind of looks, like on the way out the door, he looks at her like he's about to say something and then just walks out the door. He deserves everything that happens to him. 100%. Um... Like you couldn't take two minute, two moments to explain to this woman how to use a walkie-talkie. You deserve to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, she, and she, he's just like, "Hey, Janet, can you can you help me out?" And she's like, what? "How does this work, Mister Garrett?" I One of you better get down to the sheriff's station right away. But on her end, she hears nothing. She hears shit. What? Wait. <laughs> uh, we get a few fake outs with um with uh, padlocks that Michael has opened. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, Garrett opens one door and a pile of boxes falls out on him. Very Zabumafu. Uh, it it's trying to build up suspense, but like I don't know about you. I never give a shit about. Sorry to any security guards that we may have in the audience. Yeah, I never like, give a shit about the security guard in a horror movie. No, the security guard is always like an expendable in a like, horror movie. Like like he is there to die so Correction. that we care about everybody else. Correction. There's one security guard that I care about in horror movies, and that is the new guy in uh, Cabin in the Woods. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. But he's that's a different. The, they never use him for a horror moment, though. No, they don't. That's um, true. He does. He just goes down with like a horde of zombies on top of a grenade. Uh, Hammerclaw in the head. Yes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a it's a wonderful kill. It's rough. Yeah, I the idea of getting a hammer claw in your head. I don't like it. No, it, it doesn't sound like a good way to go. Uh, but it's not. It's definitely the one of the not one of the worst ways to go in this movie. No, that's to come. Very quick cutaway to the autopsy of spoilers Ben Tramer. <laughs> uh, in the world of the film, we still don't know who this is. We're checking his teeth because that's the only thing that's left. <laughs> yeah, because the mask, a uh, rubber mask, got burnt onto his face. Oh, it's so gross. Yeah. Uh, the the mortician, not mortician, autopsy doctor. I don't know what they call them. I used to know what that was. Uh, anyway, he is he's, it not a mortician? Uh, no, that's like a funeral home person. I think doesn't matter. He puts the age of the person in like late teens. Michael Myers is twenty-one. Uh, for so like new cop establishes himself as different from. Is this is this bracket. mustache cop? No, this is blonde cop. Okay, so there's another new cop, the one that Donald Pleasance gives the warning shot to. Yes, that'll that's much later in the. That's film, later, though. cop. Okay. Yeah. So new cop, blonde cop. Uh, He's much more receptive to Loomis taking the lead than Brackett was in the previous film. Yeah. Uh, you know, Loomis says, we have to assume that Michael's still alive, and he's on it. He says, we're going to search the entire neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, we're, I'm, uh, okay, I'm going to go search the entire neighborhood. Uh, Loomis, you go stand behind a bush. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of happens, because the next thing we cut to is the mob forming outside the Myers house, and new cop and Loomis pulling up. Yes. 
Uh, that's where the bush was in the previous film that Loomis spent half of the second act hiding behind. It's such a... I love him hiding behind that bush in that movie. Uh, we get some very anthropological... Uh, uh, we get an anthropological assessment of, from Loomis as we pull up to the house. An outburst of the tribe, as Loomis puts it. Yes. Youth culture frustrations at the deaths of of some of their number. And is, it, is this where they see Samhain? Not yet. That will be in a moment. Uh, right. This is, you know, Loomis refers to this as a wake. Yes. He and the cop stand out front while other cops try to disperse the mob. And this is where a uh, new cop pulls out, and I love the, the broken cigarette that he puts in his mouth. Yeah, yeah, it's very obviously broken. It's just, well, and, and you know, Anybody who has had to spend money on cigarettes knows, like, sometimes you're going to smoke a broken one because yeah. they're expensive. Yep. Even in the 70s, compared to 70s money, I'm sure that cigarettes were still expensive. Uh, so, like, and, and this is where he, we introduce the yellow Zippo lighter. Yep. Which will come in, or a yellow Bic lighter. It's I'm, a Bic. It's a Bic. Yeah. Uh, yellow Bic lighter, which will come in later. In the, Loomis does not return the lighter to new cop. He steals that lighter. Very important to notice. Uh, and also, um, I think that I, I just appreciate the fact that it's a yellow lighter, and it's like one of the few things. I, I feel like it's one of the that's a coloration that you do not see very much elsewhere in the movie, so it very much stands out. It very and, much, yes. And like that's the one yellow thing you really see in the movie. And then later, when it comes, when you know, when Chekhov's lighter comes back into play, <laughs> it's wonderful. This is actually where we get the intro to the scene you were just referring to. About something. Cop pulls up and another cop pulls up and says, "Oh, we've got a break in at the at the high school." Yes, I suggest that's the good of the or, high school for or, that. Or the elementary school. Yes. Pretty sure it's Michael Myers. But before we go there, back to the hospital. Uh, Nurse Karen. Yes, goes to check on a patient. And it's. Bud scare! Bud scare! Because <laughs> he, and this is another jump scare that's used in the in the uh, in the trailer. <laughs> yes, uh, Bud is hiding, has pulled the patient alarm. Karen goes to check on the fake patient, and Bud grabs her. Yes, and starts making out with her. Because mm -hmm. that's professionalism at its finest. Yep. And he's like, uh, oh, Bud horny," and she's like, "Give me." Give me like fifteen minutes. Yeah, he wants to go down to the um, therapy pool because Bud's finger needs a little therapy. <laughs> Maybe that's the pool that uh, that uh, Mr. Garrett was checking out, but he just got distracted. He got lost. Oh man. Uh, Do we just go straight to the therapy pool, or is there something in between? Bud is Bud is like sh Karen is distraught. Yes, she's not. She's like creeped out not really it's hard for her to get in the mood when she's this creeped out and bud is not here for all of this michael myers crap no he just wants to get his dick wet well he wants to get his finger wet yes what he's explicitly but, I mean, said so he, he does he does also get his dick literally wet he does i don't understand what she sees in him yeah me neither he's like just and she's just this like model yeah and like he just looks like a guy as she is completely ready to abandon these babies and risk losing her job for him, and I don't get it. Maybe his maybe he's just his dick's just that bomb. Uh, we before we cut to the therapy tub, we go back to Lori. Uh, Lori's role through this film is a little thankless. Yeah. I appreciate that we keep checking in on her. You don't notice it as much when you're watching the film. It was more when I was like taking notes about what was happening that. Cutting back to Lori in bed, and Lori's still in bed, and Lori's still in bed, 
Uh, she doesn't really get to do much until the third act. Right, but this scene is important after, you know, we've started to establish the parallels between Laurie and Michael through, if, if, if you are one of these film nerds like me who's paying attention to the shots that are chosen, yeah. uh, you know, we have the POV shot from Laurie linking her to Michael's POV shots from the beginning of the film. Now this starts to become explicit plot stuff because yes. Laurie has a vision or a dream or a vision Half remembered yes, something or other of her of her uh, Strode mother telling her, "I'm not your real mother, you know." Yeah, what a what a lovely woman. <laughs> telling that to your kid when they're too young to remember. Yeah, uh, we and it's very you know I, I like the very like late seventies artsy thing going on. Yeah, gauzy dream imagery. Blood dripping it's very, onto a it's black like the, the lighting is very like blown out because she has like a memory of like interacting with her birth mother. I think, uh, I th like she walked yes. like, like she walked into a room where like her birth mother's like sitting in a chair facing out the window or something. And then, uh, well, she also sees Michael. Yeah, uh, and we get the god like coming in through these gauzy uh, curtains mm -hmm. blowing everywhere. Um, we don't know yet. Though. No. This is not explicit yet that is she just... is related to Michael. This is this is a, a sort of art artsy non narrative whatever blah blah. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, this is a this is a first time director trying to do something mm -hmm. because it's his first time directing a feature film. Yeah. And I dig it. You know, it, it doesn't really it, it's it's stylistically kind of jarring. It doesn't really match anything else in the film. It doesn't make a lot of sense when you start to sit down and think, well, why, where are these memories coming from? Why yeah. are they being triggered now? Like, she has no reason to, like, she, you know, like, she already heard the story of the Myers house in the first film, so why wouldn't it have been triggered? We can do that all day if we want to, but, or we can, like, Trauma resurfaces other tra past traumas. Exactly. Like, I don't actually, in the moment watching the film, I don't have any issue with this. No, me neither. And, and I appreciate the attempt to do something uh, a little artistic and a little different. Yeah. And the blood, that will pay off. Back to the therapy tub, though. Yes. Where <laughs> Bud is getting ready to get his dick wet. Uh, Katie... Katie, or not Katie, Karen. Karen. Yes. Karen goes behind the wall to strip, and this was a. She talks about this in the documentary. This was a difficult scene for her to shoot, um, and this is one of those. This is one of those. Hollywood is full of terrible people, and I don't even want to like condemn. These guys are not the most terrible guys you will ever hear no. of in a Hollywood motion picture story. I still think it's unfair for like a director and an actor to like try to pressure a woman into yeah. performing a scene naked that she did. she thought it was going to be a topless scene and instead it wound up being like for whatever reason they said that she needed her to go fully nude I think they did end up compromising and she's wearing like flesh colored bikinis during the during yeah. the scene and the but like yeah, just very uncomfortable for her. She has to get in the tub and pretend that like she's into this other guy while she's working. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Michael shows up here, and uh, this is where Michael starts to get a bit more inventive with his kills. Yeah, because he, um, well, he, how does he get, well, so first off, he turns the, he turns the heat way up. Yes, he turns And Janet's like, this is too fucking hot, and Bud is just like, come on. She's like, it's hot in here, and he's like, but it's cold up there. (laughs) Uh, eventually she gets him to go get up and take, check what's going on. Uh, he does a real lazy job of it, uh, and we cut back to her while, again, the shape moves out of focus through the background, and Bud's in... This is how Bud's entire death sequence is captured. Yep. It was. Uh, yeah. He... You know, like... <sighs> this is me being a film nut and, like, watching this movie, like, four times in one week while it's the hottest week of, of New York State's summer. Yep. Um, like, he... It sort of reminds me of a moment from The Thing, where the two, their two shapes become one in the background yes. in Bud's death. Um, there are a few moments in this film, actually, that remind me of The Thing, oddly enough. Um, we forgot to mention it during the, the cold open of the film, uh-huh. but uh, there's a shot that's newly inserted in this film where Loomis looks where Michael was laying. And his, there's a silhouette of his body imprinted in the grass. Yeah. That shot always looks like the poster to the thing to me. Huh, yeah, I can see that now. That you, like with the, the thing where like the like the like the it's like the the like the, 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 the like the silhouette is just like being like blasted. It's like this. Yeah. It, it that that shot always looks like the poster to the thing. I have to remind myself it's not a reference to that because the thing came out after this movie. Um, you know, this is you know obviously me thinking about it too much but but there's this just wonderful imagery of those two bodies struggling against each other Uh becoming one and then Bud's death dropping him to the floor. Karen decides she's had enough waiting for Bud fucking around with the thermostat she gets out of the tub she thinks maybe just maybe I should work while I'm at work and she starts, like, doing her hair up, right? It's tragic that she has this thought so late. Yeah. Because Michael comes in behind her. I mean, death flashes before our, her eyes, and she sees, damn, I didn't do, like, any work. Right. <laughs> she didn't know why. She her- was the first person in history to have that regret. <laughs> she was, she, she like, her, like, her life flashed before her eyes, but she didn't know why, because she didn't realize that Michael Myers was about to kill her. That was, like, the universe just, like, boom. And she's like, oh, shit, I need to do more work. Hold on, let's get out of this bath. Michael has this fascinating moment where he places his hand on her shoulder. Yeah. And it's a lot like the moment where he he dresses up like the ghost in the first Halloween. Yeah, very much. Because she, because uh, Karen is still like carrying on a conversation with him. And there, one of the things I love about these first two Halloween films especially is just you can spend all day piecing Michael's character together. Yes. I understand that the point of the character is that there is no character. Yes. That's Carpenter's whole goal. With right. Is there, there is no character there. But given that... In that absence, we, the audience, want to imprint upon. You yes. Know, it's, yeah. it's the same, like, Scott McCloud understanding comments, comics idea. This is why we imprint on, like, smiley faces, because they're super... They're the abstraction of personality. Yeah. Michael is the complete abstraction of, of all of these ideas, mm. and but but there is something there is in there. absolutely, uh, and so he has this moment where his hand is on her shoulder, 
and she just like she is convinced that that's Bud. Apparently, Bud and Michael have very similarly hairy knuckles. Yes. So a thing on that is, um, I think that I'm drawing a similarity in my mind between. I'm drawing a similarity in my head right now between Michael Myers and the, the Doom Slayer, the Doom guy. From the video game Doom? Yes. Specifically his portrayal in... Because I never really played much of the original Dooms, but his portrayal in Doom 2016, where it's a bit more built on than it is in the original. Like, you, like there's a very much a defined, like... Uh, and they're obviously opposite sides of, like, motivation spectrum, because I think the Doom guy is, like, good to neutral. He is very much just... But, um... Like, there are little moments of a character that slipped through in, other, in what is originally intended to be just, like, a faceless, nameless kind of thing. Like, there's, like, you know, there's, like, these little, like, do, like they're basically, they're like little Funko Pops of Doom figurines. The little Doom guys placed around the levels you can collect. And whenever he picks one of them up, he'll, like, look at it and, like, he'll, like, move one of the arms or, like, give it a little fist bump or, like, he'll, like, look at the back of it. It's just, like, these little moments of humanity that, like, that, like help give you, like, footholds for you to put into to build a character like dissection off of and what's what Doom 2016 is a phenomenal game and you should I, I think that's that's our recommendation this week but I do recommend that video game a lot I've been replaying it on my computer and it's fucking phenomenal and what's great about uh, you know here is it just you know with with the Doom character mm-hmm. that gives, Doom guy that please. gives you <laughs> I'm sorry Mr. Doom guy yes sir uh, <laughs> That gives you little things to latch on to in a, in a, in a personable way. Yes. you are embodying yeah. this character while he goes through the world and murders monsters. Here, those little snippets you get just throw you off. Yeah. You, you know, because they're in the middle of this humanity-less void. Yes. This, uh, this shape. The fact that you can find anything to relate to in this creature is terrifying. Yeah. Um, and then she pops his finger in her mouth. Yeah! Ugh. Every time I watch this... <laughs> like, I watched this movie on, what was it? It was Monday, I think, that we watched this, and then I watched it again last night, and I for- I'd forgot, I had blissfully forgotten about it. And again, until just now, I had forgotten about it until you said it because you wrote it down. Michael Myers has never washed his hands in his life. life. You are dealing with 21 years of finger crud. She asks him if if he wants to go get breakfast later and she's like so sweet with him and it's just... The thing is, the thing is though that Michael Myers' reaction is about the exact same as Bud's would be. It it really is. Bud is such an asshole. I can totally see him giving her the silent treatment here. Yeah. Which is why she assumes it's Bud. She he probably has done that to her before. Yeah. He so pro- she, he probably she probably thinks that he's a little bit put off because she made him like get out of the tub yep. with a with a shrinky dinky. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she even she even you know as he's silently standing behind her, she even says, "Bud, don't be that way," and turns. And is cut off yep. because it is not Bud. Nope. It is Michael Myers. And this entire time the water has been heating up because Bud never got to turn it off from being cranked up to maximum. So like it's approaching like extremely dangerous level and he just like dunks her face in. He grabs her by the hat back of the head. With the by the bun that she had just finished tying. Oh. And in her face goes It's a handle. 
into the scalding it's, water. Um, have you seen uh, I, w- uh, I Think You Should Leave by any chance? The no, It's a very good Netflix sketch comedy. There's, there's one sketch where just, like, the entire pitch is just, like, there is, like, a knob on someone's shirt where they can just, like, pull it out. <laughs> she's, she's got one of those. <laughs> it's a very funny show. Um, this is the most brutal thing we've seen yep. in a Halloween movie. Yep. And I know this is only the second Halloween movie, but, but still. But it's still far more brutal than it. Like, the most brutal thing up until this point had been probably Bob's, like, impalement on the wall. Probably. Yeah. Um, and th- this just, like, out... And, like, the thing is that the movie, like, outdoes this, like, ten minutes later. Arguably, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, so but, she, so goes, she goes in and comes out and goes in and red. comes out. Her skin peels away from her face. It is... And it's it's a it's an interesting um, maybe testament isn't the right word but it kind of gets to where I'm going at which is that like in addition to that happening to her face this is also happening to Michael Myers hand yes like you were very you I, I, I was very aware of it in that moment because I was like oh my god his hands in there too yeah but like he he doesn't care he is he is just like a shape he is just he is not the quite, kill the kill is all that matters exactly exactly it's it's so brutal and it is also wonderful wunderbar it's very sad yeah Karen is left on the floor yeah uh and we cut to the schoolhouse yes the the Sam Hain the Sam Hain schoolhouse uh any of our pagan friends in the audience will know right away that that is a mispronunciation of the Celtic word what is the correct pronunciation again uh it's actually pronounced Samhain that's right, yes. Because, you know, romanization of other languages is always, always makes sense. Yep. Um, uh, just, look, just look at the way we spell Irish words. Or Gaelic, I guess. That is a Gaelic word. So I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> totally knew that. Uh, but for, for the purposes of this podcast, we'll, we're going to continue the wrong way because that's what the expert, Dr. Loomis, calls uh, it. Sam Hay. Uh, they, they're at the elementary school, um, and there's a... A crayon drawing from a child of a family. Uh, Michael Myers has left a knife through the image of a si- of the sister of mm-hmm. that family. Yeah. Um, and you know, Loomis very helpfully points that out. Ooh, sister. Um, he does not know yet what we are going to find out. Does Michael have this a is- Does Michael have a knife later in the movie? No. Okay. So, so this is the knife that he stole from the Elrons. The Hubbards. I don't... So this is actually... This is something I wanted to talk about. I don't know when he does this. I don't know when he breaks into the school. He may have... He may have broken into the school after killing the girl next door from the Elrons. Yes. He may have done it before the events of the first Halloween movie really kick off. In between... Like it's possible, like... It, we we just don't know. No. It's... I, I'm very much enjoying the idea of him just, like, doodling on his car... On his, just doodling and then, like, stabbing a knife in it and then walking... Oh, that he drew the children's picture that's in the... Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then he, and then he just, like, walks out and, like, jump scares that kid that just knocked over Billy's pumpkin <laughs> in the first movie. There we go. I wonder if that's the same elementary school. It would have to Probably. be because they just say... The elementary school. I mean, yeah, and even if it wasn't, like, where the hell else would, like, Michael have... Like, what other elementary school would Michael have gone to? Yeah. So, Michael's... Michael's, uh... Michael's leaving clues. Yeah. <laughs> in this elementary school that we're not sure when he broke into. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he he stabs the children's drawing and in blood i think we don't know where the blood comes from there is a deleted bit where i think he murdered a teacher mm. who was at the school late that may be in the novelization and wasn't actually a there might be a novelization thing where they're trying to fill in the gaps. Um, I just know that from the ether, and maybe someone who's a, more of a Halloween pro can fill me in where that comes from. The idea of someone being more of a Halloween pro than you is... They're out there. Um, <laughs> few and far between, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, in Blood, he writes Sam Hain on the chalkboard. <laughs> yep. uh, and Loomis, you know, has... Uh, he starts monologuing again. It means the Lord of the Dead. The end of summer, October 31st. Does it? Not. <laughs> kind of? Not really. It's a very lay person's idea of, of the yeah. whole life. Yeah, so, like, that's, that's, that's the thing you could stumble your way towards. You could justify that meaning from Sam Hain, but it's not, like, the generally accepted one. It's, I mean, look, it's 1978. He, yeah. can't, he can't jump on Wikipedia like I can. He can't, draw, he can't jump on Wikipedia? <laughs> and I thank you. I will take my leave from this podcast. This entire thing is going to lead up to that joke. Goodbye, yep. character. This is your show now. It's like the Santa Claus. Aww. <laughs> uh, yeah. So while we're in the while we're in the school, Marion Chambers comes back, and you may be asking is she yourself, the teacher that that asked Lori about the fate and everything? She is not. Okay. She is the nurse who is driving with. Loomis. Oh yes, her, her, her. Yes, I didn't. I don't. I didn't remember her name. I knew who she was. I didn't remember her name though. And uh, and you'll be forgiven if you don't recognize her. In the less than twenty four hours between we when we saw her in uh, on October thirtieth, nineteen seventy eight, with her ver- with her bun, and when we see her now, either late October thirty first or very very early morning November 1st November 1st uh, she has had a complete makeover yeah and I love that like Loomis even comments on it yeah I mean after a traumatic night like that she's gotta treat herself that's what I would do honestly like you ever go through just have a real shit day and go get your hair chopped off wonderful Uh, well she did the opposite she she got her hair chopped on (laughs) she got her hair done up like a character in an open world game (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> she switched from bun to sophisticate yeah exactly <laughs> she used a glamour <laughs> uh she is there on orders of the governor i missed that part that dr rogers from the from smith's grove sanitarium is that the one that uh loomis is talking to at the when he's like i do be- no that's dr win dr rogers is not in the first movie gotcha um, it should have been Dr. Wint that they name-dropped here, since we already know who that is. Dr. Wint? I think that was his name, Dr. Wint. Dr. Drill. He'll come back later in the series, by yes, the way. Yes, a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people, they, these movies just reuse Not the people. same actor, but no. that character. You know, surprising twist role. Yeah. Um, Paul, but yeah. Paul Rudd plays grown-up Billy, right? We'll, we'll do that. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. We'll get there, we'll get there. <laughs> Not even worth it right now. This episode, we've been talking for two hours about Halloween too. If we start going on a tangent about Halloween Six, The Curse of Michael Myers, we'll be here all day. 
so yeah, so she's there on orders of the governor. I'm gonna, uh, she's there. The Dr. Rogers has called the governor to resolve the issue because, you know, they don't want to... Oh, right. They don't want to risk their therapeutic programs. Right. Um, so she came hoping that Loomis had already caught Michael. And was just going to, like, just toss him back in the van. Let's get him back to the sanitarium. And this is where, as you referred to him before, Mustache Cop shows Mustache up. Cop, yes. He's the state marshal that uh, that the governor sent with... Yep. Uh, Marianne. Marianne to, to collect Loomis. Yes. Off they go... Into the wild blue yonder, yonder. Cut to Lori in bed. Again. Is, Again. Is, this, is this when she's catatonic or is that the next time? It is when she's catatonic. So well, Jimmy catatonic. Comes, yeah, Jimmy comes in to check on her and uh, and she's not responding. He rushes from the room, uh, grabs Mrs. Alves, who's convinced that she's had some kind of reaction to the medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Mrs. Alves sends Janet to go... Uh, Oh no, I'm sorry. I don't actually. I don't think Mrs. Alves is here. No, that's right. She's is, already. Is she already dead? Well, we don't know that yet. But, but she is she, in the process of dying, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jimmy sends Nurse Janet to go get Doctor Mixter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy runs off the other direction to look for anybody else who could help. Janet runs to Doctor Mixter's office, and the shower is running in his private bath. Janet runs into the Dr. Mixter's office where he has a private bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shower is running, but no one is in there. Uh, she turns the corner into his office and he's just sitting in his desk chair, mm-hmm. staring at his fish tank. And they, they do a really good job of obscuring this, I think. Like, they, they even like, they get like a shot from like just in front of him, but it's like just cropped to be avoiding the the very obviously lethal part of it. Like, and we even see, like, his neck, because, like, when I, when I see this, like, when I see someone from the back, and, like, they are not responding, I assume throat slit, we just don't see it yet. But they show the neck, and I'm like, how does he die again? So she turns his desk chair around, and there is a hypodermic needle jutting out from his eyeball. Yep. And then we, uh, I think this might be my favorite scare in the movie, because Michael just kind of, there's no fanfare to it, there's no anything. Michael just kind of, like, it just like someone like turned the you know like how it's like the start of a video game it'll ask like move the slider until you can just barely see like the logo on the right I do <laughs> yeah it just feels like that like he just like barely gets color correct he just very it's like you corrected into the movie and it's fucking awesome it's incredible yeah and then he grabs her and grabs another syringe uh, another hypodermic needle fills it with air pops it in like right behind the eyeball right into her temple yep embolism it is. So disturbing. It's so disturbing, and I have to say, it's a very creative kill for like this early in the slasher genre. Yeah, like this feels like an, this feels like a thing that like would would be an invention coming in like after the genre has had more time. But I guess like with the glut, like things kind of were hyper accelerated for that stuff. Like it was like okay, this, okay, this, step up, 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 needle behind the eyeball. Oh, this is one of the, we get one of those beautiful Michael Myers head tilts after yes. this kill yes. too. He's just—he's like a cat, just, just like something is dead, and he knows he did it, and and it's almost like he's studying the cause and effect nature. Yeah, it's—he's—it's it's very child, it's very childlike. Yeah, and uh, it's thrilling and terrifying. Yeah, and, and 
Yeah. You get, like, the, again, another glimpse of, like, Michael's, like, psyche underneath the mask. Dick Warlock. Dick Warlock. Not in, not known as an actor, but doing a lot of really great acting yeah. in this film. Um, Jimmy leaves Blonde Nurse with Lori. Um, I don't remember Blonde Nurse's name. I don't no. think we're actually really introduced to her. Blonde Nurse is with Lori until she hears the room alarm go off. Yes. And she is summoned away. But it's not another patient. It's Michael Myers. It's Michael Myers. Uh, Michael Myers has uh, a, a ruse on his part. And again, like we're, we're seeing sort of the evolution of his, his murder. Uh, yeah. Um, he plays, he does some trickery. He does. Uh, he, he lures blonde nurse away so he can head into Lori's room. Yeah. I mean, Michael's definitely always been about presentation, even from the first movie. Like the way, like the fucking like homo, like not like the, the fucking like revealing of corpses that he does in, oh, well, in, yeah. <laughs> in uh, one it's it's the it's the kid who brings home the like squirrel he killed and just hangs it up in his bedroom. Oh, this is a note. I'm sorry. I'm just like trying to get caught back up with myself. This is a note that I meant to say earlier. Uh-huh. Receptive partners avoid hot tub sex. Yeah. Like, do what thou wilt. But ultimately, but like, just know like that's a real quick way to get a UTI yeah. if you are like having vaginal sex. It's a real quick way to like like rub yourself completely brutally raw if you're having anal sex. Like just this is now become the fear baiting sex advice podcast. Um, That's the fear baiting. Oh. <laughs> oh. You can't see the it. audience just love that one. You can't see it, but I did just do a jerk off motion. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I need to explain that because verbally it just sounded like I said, it's fear baiting, and you said, oh. Oh, that's right. You can't see us. I could be doing anything hold at on. all. It's it's fear baiting. Oh no. <laughs> Wait, hold oh. on. It's fear baiting. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> We do get a little bit masturbatory on this podcast sometimes. Waka waka. (laughs) Michael enters Lori's room with a scalpel. Yes. Raises it. Brings it down. Stab. 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 But it's a trick. It's pillows. It's the old Hobbit trick. Uh, clearly, in 1978, Laurie Strode was one of those teenagers, like my dad, actually. My dad, not a super literate kid at the time. Uh, he would have been 18 in 1978, and uh, but he definitely read The Hobbit. Yeah. It was very popular among the, the young folk because of all of the hippie drugs. Laurie Strode, canonically lesbian Tolkien fan. <laughs> Ah, I, I understand why you see yourself in her so much now. Oh my God. <laughs> I love Laurie Strode. Uh, Laurie is moving through the hallways. Her is, catatonia. Is, is Laurie your favorite fictional character? Not my favorite fictional character, but probably my favorite horror movie character. I can see that. I can um, see that. Uh, Laurie, however, uh, champ of the fake coma, by the way. Wandering through the halls, drugged up. Uh, the fact that she managed to like do that in spite of like the, because like uh, she gets like doctor, she, the, she gets like light. One in of her the nurses gets the light in her eyes, and it's yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that. Has the head nurse already been found dead, or have we not caught her? No, yet? we're we're getting there. Um, 
So like yeah, Laurie's going through the halls. We we and this is where we get more like the 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 cinematographic mirroring yes. between Laurie and Michael uh, really starts to ramp up throughout this sequence. We see Laurie uh, come through the um, security feed yeah. the same way we saw yeah. Michael earlier. Another interesting, par- another, interesting, another interesting parallel for that is that I feel like Laurie is like mostly nonverbal for this movie. Yes. Yes. And whereas Michael is obviously like completely nonverbal. Like Lori has very little thing very little to say in this movie. Yeah. Um we also get bits of her POV as she's yes. moving through the hallway yep. here. Uh with the edges of the frame all drugged and blurred. Mm-hmm. Um finally, you know, she finds a room uh that she feels feels safe to lock herself in. Yep. She grabs the phone and curls up into a little ball by the door and I just I love her so much. Just, yeah. She's so wonderful. Uh, we go back to Loomis, uh, still with new cop. Yep. Or no, not. No, he's the mustache cop. Now. This is no, actually, he's he's this. So we we last left Loomis walking out the door to Mustache to meet Mustache Cop. Yes. When we cut back, we're just outside the door. It's. It is what took place immediately after, but we have had several sequences. Right, this is jumping back in time a little bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah this, is uh, not a, this is not parallel storytelling. Yeah, so like, Blonde Cop says goodbye to Loomis, you know, he's like, uh, he's like, don't worry, we'll find him. And Loomis is like, well, where will you look? Uh, I don't know. Neither do I. <laughs> and he goes off with the marshal and with, uh... Marion Chambers. Can I say your Loomis is impeccable? <laughs> I I just want to, you know, like people may not like you. You can believe whatever you want to, but I have, a, I believe I have a gift of of psychic ability, <laughs> and the only way I know how to use it for the world is by channeling dead celebrities <laughs> while uh, guest starring on a friend's podcast. Uh, so this time you're this time you're channeling Donald Pleasant. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm channeling Loomis himself. It's a large multiverse out it there. Is, Who yeah. knows? <laughs> <laughs> an alternate an alternate universe where the character is Donald Pleasant and the actor is Sam Loomis. Oh God. <laughs> uh, blonde nurse is, is still looking for Mr. Garrett now, and in the process misses the fact that Michael Myers is right there on the security feed that we just saw Laurie on. More uh-huh. of that mirroring. Yep. She opens a room looking for Mr. Garrett and jump scare! Jump scare. That got me for a second. Ah. <laughs> I zoned out for like <laughs> seconds and then Carrington's move. Jimmy is uh, behind her. Yes. Uh, still looking for Mrs. Alves. Not doing a very good job. No. Uh, Especially because by this point she's just kind of st- chilling in one place. He did save her life unintentionally though. Because you remember who's in that room? Michael Myers? Of course it's Michael. Michael Myers is in silhouette. Yes. Behind the curtain. Beautiful work. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't catch that. It's great. I just love it so much. I'll have to watch it again. Uh, uh, so Jimmy, Jim, we follow Jimmy down the halls, and this is when we find Mrs. Alvis. Yes. In the minor surgery room. And why don't you tell our friends? She has had a uh, like a, a blood drawing needle like hooked up to her, like the the thing they do like to get like multiple vials of blood out of you. An IV tube. Yes, an IV tube, and just not connected to anything, so just kind of let free to drain. 
Yeah, she's she's strapped to surgery table. Yes, she's strapped in. Nothing but the spotlight shining down on her. Gorgeous, very like Pieta esque uh, composition here um, of of this head nurse just dead. And yeah, Jimmy finds the IV tube coming out of her arm. Um, the drips of blood that punctuated Lori's yes, vision earlier yes. have now been explained as uh, the method of death for Mrs. Alves. And this is another one of those moments, beautifully beautiful moment in movie. Yes. Uh, captures an emotion uh, that, you know, you, you want, you, you feel mournful for the head nurse who's had a thankless job trying to wrangle all these white people. Uh, <laughs> The only one doing honest work in the building. She she looks she looks like I said absolutely beautiful like a like an old oil painting. Yep. Yep. Um, doesn't when you start to try to, when you try to cinema sins the damn thing. When did Michael learn how to do an IV plug? Blah, 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 blah. The same time he learned how to drive. God damn it! <laughs> like <laughs> he's the boogeyman. He can do he it can do because he can do these things because it's kill time. Yes. And that's what he's good at, is kill. Yep. My CinemaSins moment for that is why did she not make any noise, but... Maybe she got knocked out by chloroform. Could be. Could well be. Maybe, maybe... There's bevy of... There, fear there, of the boogeyman. There are, there are... This is not a plot hole. This is more a... This is a question I don't have... There are definitely answers to this question. I just do not have what it is. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Jimmy turns around to leave the room. Slips on his stupid fucking... Just dumbass. Slips on his own feet, <laughs> yeah. practically, because he knows the blood is there. Listen, listen. If the ho- if the Hollow Man can do this without falling over, so can you. <laughs> wow, I haven't thought about Hollow Man in a minute. Me neither. Um, but this scene makes me think of it because I just think of the the blood prints that the Hollow Man needs. Um, but yeah, he just slips, and um, the way he falls, like, and doesn't get back up. It's rough. It's rough. It's it's. It's potentially a laugh moment, and, and I'll hit that again in a minute. But yeah. like, um, you know, there's there's going to be about half the audience that reacts to this is like, oh, that's stupid, and about half the audience who has had a head injury in the past is going to see that and go, oh, uh. and and for me, I, uh, it's yeah, he yeah. just hits hard and yeah. and just lays there yeah. until the until the edit. Yep, until we cut, and he's like not all right from this, right? Like he's. We'll, the, the next and last time we see him we'll is like him he just passes out. Yeah, we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, blonde okay. nurse. Absolutely concussed. We go back to blonde nurse, and blonde nurse has the right idea. She knows that this this whole situation is fucked, and yep. she leaves. She's just like, I'm, nope, I deal with this. Not the bravest choice you could make. There's but, still babies in that hospital. Yeah. But, uh, but you know. I feel like at that point I would have reasoned, like, well... He ha- he's had an ample opportunity to do stuff to the babies. Well, also, like, I mean, you leave and you come back with other people to yes, save those babies. absolutely. You are blonde nurse in blonde nurse uniform and heels. What are you doing in that hospital to stop serial killer man? Yep. So she goes to her car, but her car won't start, and the tires of every car in the parking lot have been slashed. Yep. A lot of prep work for Michael. Michael's, yeah, he's, like... He wants to get the, like, Serial Murder Man of the Year Award at next year's, like, Serial Murder Man <laughs> Industry uh, Convention. The True Crime Awards? Uh, 
Wouldn't that be crazy if that's how that works? <laughs> I mean, that's basically what happens in the in the in the 2018 movie. Like, there was a true crime podcast that's about Michael tr- Myers. Let's, let's not talk about that. <laughs> For more about the 2018 movie, check out the special I, edition fear baiting episode. I know we've t- I know we did the episode on it. It does still feel just like uh, uh, what, what was the guy's name who directed that Green. David Gordon Green. David yes. Gordon Green. Yes, it felt like he had an axe to grind. <laughs> <laughs> like it felt like he had like it felt like he was just like trying to say something about podcasters. I can't imagine why you, a podcaster, would have any reason to feel that way. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Hold uh, on. yeah. David Gordon Green hates me. <laughs> a blonde nurse goes back into the hospital and finds Lori. Lori's woken up from her her sweet little baby angel nap uh-huh. and is is in the hallways. Blonde nurse calls out to Lori, and Lori is still so stunned from yeah. the events of this day that she barely registers what happens. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, this leads to the death of Blonde of Nurse. Of Blonde Nurse. She gets stabbed in the back by the scalpel that uh, so recently christened with the blood of three pillows. I know. And she gets lifted like a foot off the ground. I've seen lots of kill count videos about this movie, by the way. And none of them include the pillows. So thank you for honoring the true victims of Halloween Two. Do they? Do they count? Do they count uh, Jimmy? <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get. Sorry, I know. I, you know, I know we're two and a half hours into this podcast. Uh, uh, the blonde nurse gets lifted in the air by a scalpel. Even less realistic than uh, Bob getting lifted in the air on a kitchen knife. Yep. Who the fuck cares? Get over it. Literalism is the death of like good cinema. This yes. is how, why you have so many fucking Marvel movies. <laughs> uh, and her shoes, and those, her those shoes are, drop off. And those movies are obviously not free of the literalism that has created them. Uh, the, um, I, I, I try not to imbibe any CinemaSins content, but the only exceptions that I make is that um, a YouTube channel that I really like, uh, I believe the channel was just like the Bob Vids or something, he oh, has yeah. made everything wrong with everything wrong with videos and i find those <laughs> have you seen any of those no but they, I, yeah. they are delightful and i really would love to show you like the sherlock one because it's like it's about 15 minutes long and it's yeah. <laughs> chef's kiss yes he uh, has done there was one um there was one about cabin in the woods and it made me so fucking angry at everything the cinemasins guy was saying because i had watched that video too and i had like found it funny at the time and then like going back to it five years later i was so mad about it I'm sorry to turn this into the anti-cinnamon sins. Cinnamon sins. Cinnamon sins. Cinnamon sins. The only sins for me. Um, <laughs> Honestly, this is, I think we, are, we, have, we have come down to an anti-cinnamon sins podcast. Blonde, blonde nurse gets hoisted in the air yep, on the tip of a scalpel, off. and her shoes fall off. And this is... The, on the director's commentary, Rosenthal talks about how, like, and this was... I don't know who this was pitched by, if it was pitched by Dick Warlock. He, he says it was pitched by an actor but I don't remember whom, uh, that uh, the idea of her shoes dropping off her feet as a comedy beat, um, I I actually think it's uh, a weirdly poignant moment, personally. Um, it absolutely can land as a laugh beat for you. I didn't. Re- I definitely don't read it as a, as a laugh beat. Yeah, uh, to me it's just, it, it's like just, it's driving home kind of like, this woman just showed up for work that day. Yeah. And now, now she's gone and her shoes are on the floor. Yeah. She died in uniform. Uh, but with her death... Braver than any U.S. Marine. With her death, we, we're kind of kicking into the final sequence of this film. Yeah. Uh, well, the final act of this film. The final sequence is 
Not quite here, but we no, we're it. getting close. The theme kicks into high gear, and Lori runs through the halls, throwing gurneys in her path behind her. Uh, run down the staircase, Michael, in beat with the music, marching behind her. Um, Love that shit. In the basement, Lori finds all of Michael's trophies. Mr. Garrett strung up by a lamp cord yep. for a lovely little scream moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we see him later when she's like climbing out that window. Yeah. And like, like she just like accidentally like kicks him in the face. Yeah, she so she like Michael's closing in on her, so she scrambles out a tiny little window. Um, as Sarah noted, kicks Mr. Garrett's corpse in the face. <laughs> Michael is grabbing and yep. slashing at her. He gets so dangerously close. Uh, he may even hit her because, like, when she tumbles out the other side, she's yeah, she's pretty roughed up. And um, this is about this is when we get uh, Loomis forcing Mustache Cops to take a take an alternate route, right, to the hospital instead of not, wherever the hell they were going. Not quite. We're still we stay with this chase for a good this, really. I thought I thought I thought if she crawled out the window, that was led to the help me scene. Uh, nope. Uh, she crawls out the window and runs to. So the window actually connects. At first, I, I would have expected what you did, that the window was exterior. It's an interior window. Oh, it just yeah. leads to another basement. That's weird. Yeah, it is a little weird, but we can... W- an addition. It's whatever. It's whatever. Yeah. Uh, she runs for the elevator. Michael yes! closes How in. Yes! How did I forget the elevator? Bump. 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 The elevator takes forever! Uh, the elevator wants to murder her. And Michael uh, closes the gap just in time. Gets to... his hand in the door in the elevator. It's not modern day elevators that have those mechanisms to stop that. Or it is, and he lets her go. I think. If, I think the way that his hand got far enough in that I think if it had that thing, it would have triggered. Either way, Lori escapes, uh, makes her way up to the ground floor, and out into the parking lot. Finds herself a nice little car to hide in. Yes. And lies down. Yep, and then two seconds later, Jimmy shows up? Nope, because now we're back to Loomis! Loomis, that's right! Okay, this is when they're driving. Yeah, uh, and we have a bunch of plot we have to execute yes, here. Yes, because then uh, 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 Chambers... Marianne Chambers. Marianne Chambers is like, oh, they, they there's some files that they seal. It's not fair. They should have let, let you find everything. Mm, Loomis isn't really paying attention to her. He's still babbling about Michael's eyes, the yep. darkest, the blackest eyes. <laughs> I spent eight years trying to reach him and another seven trying to keep him locked away because what I realized was, Doctor, you're not listening to me. <laughs> uh, because she reveals that like there is... Well, you, you go ahead. He, he actually, he does monologue for quite a bit here. He, this is where, and this is where we get the setup for what the Halloween series from John Carpenter's point of view was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because here we get the setup for Sam Hayden. We had a little teaser of it earlier in the night, and, and uh, here Loomis starts going off about... Um, Yes, Sam Hain and blood sacrifice, burning people alive, and, uh, letting the, it's not the demon that we fear, it's the darkness of the unconscious mind. <laughs> Dr. Loomis, listen to me! Marianne Chavers is very patient with him, but she has had enough. Yep. And she tells him that there was a file that was sealed. By a judge order? 
But now that the governor's gotten involved in this case, he's ordered it opened, and they're related. Michael Myers has a sister. A second sister. That Strode girl. She's Michael Myers' sister. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, and I actually um, went back and, and checked. This is when how Loomis gets the second gun. A second gun becomes important in the third act of this yes, film. Yes, yes it does. And I, I kept missing where he got it, but this is where he gets it. When when Loomis hears that Laurie Strode is Michael's sister, he knows exactly where Michael's going to go. Yep. Where did they take her? To the clinic! Loomis pulls his gun on the marshal. Because the marshal's like, oh, I gotta go. Where, where do they have to go? They're, they're taking him back to Smith's Grove. They've got yes. orders from the governor. Yes. And he's like, I can't do that. I take you to Smith Grove. He pulls out the gun, and the guy, the cop is still, like, resistant. Like, you're gone. What is it you fellas usually do? Fire, fire, fire a warning shot, shot right? <laughs> Blasts out the fucking window. Destroys this man's right eardrum. Smash cut to U-turn. <laughs> it's That is a great comedy. It is. That just is. makes me howl. I love it. It's so funny. <laughs> Uh, we go back to Laurie hiding in the car, and, uh-huh. and this is where Jimmy finds him. Jimmy, yes. Jimmy, by whatever happenstance, um, maybe she's hiding in his car. Yeah. I don't think she would have any way of knowing that. No, I, no I think if that's the case, that's just a hap- that's just. But by, by the same by the same cosmic forces that brought Laurie and Michael together in the first place, Jimmy finds the car that Laurie is hiding in, uh, sits down in the seat. And the effects of his concussion are terrifyingly real. Yeah. I, you don't see head injuries treated with this kind of seriousness in film a lot. But he, he is out of it. Yeah, he's like, we're going to get out of here. His head flops forward, hitting the horn. Yeah. Uh, which alerts Michael to where they are. Uh-huh. Um, and so Glory like, panics and yanks his head back, and his head just flops backward over the seat. What do you think his fate is after this? It's hard to call. I... He doesn't show up at the end. He doesn't. Um, he... There is an alternate cut of this film. The television... The extended television edit of the film... He does show up at the end. Okay. There's one final jump scare. You think it's going to be Michael, but it turns it's out it's Jimmy. Jimmy. I uh, my gut says that he is. If he gets found with, if he if like Lori, hopefully Lori mentions this to someone. I think if he gets taken care of soon. I don't. I my take is Jimmy's dead. Yeah. I don't think Jimmy made it out of that car. I think by the time anybody gets there, and this is spoilers for. You know, but we've been talking for two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, but like, by the time anybody gets there, it's it's past dawn. The yeah. Sun, you know? It's long think, long shot to survive. And that. especially like 1978 medical technology, I don't think. Poor Jimmy made it out of there. Rip in peace, Jimmy. Rip in peace. <laughs> um. Yeah. The one moment he's alive, and the next he's just gone. And and again, this is another one of those moments that I I can see it being like for. Like thirty-five to fifty percent of the audience, I can see it being a laugh moment. You know, yeah, it's it's so rare that we we are left with just the uncomfortable banality of death. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what happens here. Lori Lori drops out of the car, uh, hits that pavement hard. Good on Jamie Lee for doing that stunt herself. By the way, that that's 
Even that small little space is not comfortable to land on pavement from. And and I love this. I love this sequence here. She 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 tries to scream. Yeah. It's and it's it's I finally got what that scene in Scream is referencing. Oh right, yes. Uh yeah, I can't uh coming to all of these movies after Scream. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I kind of did the same thing because Scream was another one of those movies that was on cable TV a lot. Yeah, when I was like it, it, it's very it, um. So Cabin in the Woods sort of backdoored me into horror movie a lot. It, like, yeah, Cabin in the Woods. Like I understood enough about the genre to understand what Cabin in the Woods was kind of about. Like I've definitely gained more and more of it each time I've watched it with more horror movies under my belt. But like I. That was one of the first horror movies that I watched, and that was like one of the first ones that I would be interested in horror movies because that's that's very obviously a horror movie about horror movies. And what what I what I like about this moment too is it, it works both on sort of like the literal realistic situation that's going on. You know, she is in shock. She's been drugged. She's been blah 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 blah. Like the human body will fail you when you m- most need it not to. Yep. It also though on a like on the non lit literal viewing of the film it's very nightmarish yeah it's very much it's that moment when you are dreaming and you try to scream for help and no sound comes out because because that's what the way the human body works like you don't you don't speak while you are usually you don't speak while you're asleep because otherwise you would wake up the rest of the people that you were sleeping in a cave with in ancient times priests historic cave times and they would kill you for because they have to get up early to like go murder a saber tooth cat, um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Sh- Loomis, the marshal, Marion Chambers—they all pull up, go into the hospital. Lori screams, "Help me!" Yeah, but too late. And then Michael, boom, bottom. Michael bathed in red light, coming across the parking lot toward her. She runs and it's clearly taking everything she has yep. to run. And she's just like pounding on the door. <laughs> and they like barely get her inside in time because the mustache cop like barely hears her and turns around to go get her, I think. Yeah, it's he's right there. They get her they pull her inside, shut the door behind her, retreat down the hall, uh like um Lori hides behind Loomis, Loomis readies his gun, Michael comes straight through the glass door. It's great. <laughs> um, it is. It is just wonderful. Michael busting through, and Loomis shoots him five times. Five times because, because he fired the warning shot. Exactly. Yes. Uh, unlike the the Dolly work or Foley work at the beginning of the film, uh, this time we do have an accurate count of how many bullets goes into Loomis's gun. He shoots him five times, and Michael is down. Or is he? The mustache cop certainly seems, seems to think so. Yeah, dumb fuck Marshall definitely yeah. <laughs> uh, wants to be a dumb fuck Marshall and uh, starts poking around at Michael's body. Is told multiple times not Don't to do that. Do it. And then he's like, okay, I'll step away, but then I'm going to step closer. Lori has that line, why won't he die? Uh, Loomis says, get away from him! But he doesn't get away from him in time. And because Michael just fucking opens his neck up like a with that music sting. Yeah, oh, that's, oh. A, that's, a, that's a really good replication of that sting. Thank you. 
Loomis sends Marion to the um, to the Marshall's car to use the radio. Yep. Uh, Marshall, before his death, makes a dumb fuck like protest about that. But I'm not allowed to use that radio. Uh, and he actually dies protesting her use of the radio. Yep. Um, what a terrible pedantic way to go down. Dumb fuck. Though I um, imagine I, I'll probably also go. I, I mean, my last words will probably be something pedantic like that. Just some well actually bullshit. As I, <laughs> as I am like, well actually, and then I like like fall over a cliff as I'm like too busy like explaining the difference between like Naruto and Boruto. The opening up of the of the Marshall's throat uh, is what begins the final sequence of yes. this film. The theme kicks in. Dun, dun, dun. A little bit of a weird music edit here where it like gets halfway through that and then starts over. I couldn't find if there's like a missing clip that yeah. like a, a very, late edit there. There's a very weird sim- a similarly weird music edit in Paprika that always gets me. That just sorry, <laughs> That's to, a later episode. It's a later episode, but I do want to talk about it now because it because you brought up music. <laughs> music edits and I, have, I, I am allowed this. Um that scene where Papri- where uh, Atsuko goes into the dream to save uh, Tokida, and they're like it. Pan- the camera like pans out, and she's like just floating in the sky. It just like it does one bar of the and then goes the and then goes straight into the, like the main verse of it. And it always throws you know because there's supposed to be four verses that lead up, but there's one. This is you- fear baiting your number one paprika tangent podcast. Listen, I watched that movie recently <laughs> in a while, and I think about it. But back to this movie. Let's finish this off, and then I'm going to talk about paprika because spoiler alert, it's my recommendation this week. <laughs> uh, uh, Marion Chambers is out on the radio, and and the dispatcher wants to know what the identity of the and identity of the suspect is. It it's Michael Myers. Just get your ass over here. She, she's great. Like, yeah, she really not, gets... To, not a return character I was expecting in this. And, and she really gets to, like, you know, after... Kind of... She doesn't get a, she doesn't get a ton to do in the first movie. She's mostly no. just there for Loomis to scream at um, in the introduction during yeah. the breakout. So, yeah, it's nice for her to just kind of, like, kick some ass and take some names while uh, Loomis and Lori run th- through the hallways of the hospital... This is where a second gun emerges. Yes. Um, and the reason we brought it up earlier is just because every time I've watched this movie, I've missed where that gun comes from. Uh, I but I did go back and check, and yeah, he he gets it from the marshal earlier when he before he fires the warning shot. Um, they're locked away in in this uh, sort of what would you call this room? The one where, like, like Michael a, is slowly a, approaching her in. It's a weird... It's a gas chamber. Yeah. I don't know why the hospital has this room that can just fill with gas, but they do. They do. It's just... It's, it's the holding room. OSHA did not have anything in place for, like, making sure not to hold, like, too many canisters in the same spot. But anyway, Loomis just, like, starts cranking one open and yeah, Lori so, follows so, suit. So, like, 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 yeah, Loomis gives the gun to Lori. Uh, Michael starts busting through the door. Yeah. Um... Loomis uh, takes aim, but he's out of bullets. He's out of bullets. He fired one shotting, f- fired one warning shot at the marshal, and then he shot him five times. <laughs> uh, for not remembering to count, Loomis receives a scalpel in the gut. Yes, and he is down. He yes. goes. He 
he stumbles back, and and this is uh, this is Donald Pleasance doing the stunt. He when he falls, and and I I am a person of a certain amount of size. Yes. I don't have the same build as Donald Pleasance by yes, any means. But you do have some. There is some weight. I have some bulk on me. Yeah. Uh, when you when you are a person of some size and you tumble backwards, that hurts. I just and and this man's you know like already twice my age. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like to be fair, you are you are taller than Doctor Loomis. I am. You I'm, have more. You have more distance to fall. I do, but I'm just saying. Like you sympathize. He, he fall. He falls. It is not just Doctor Loomis making the fall. It is also veteran actor Donald Pleasance yeah. making yeah. the fall. There's no pad to catch him right. and. Uh, Good job. Yeah, like, good real, job. Good real job, Donnie. there, buddy. Um, Michael closes in to kill the fallen Loomis, and Lori cries out, No! Michael! No, Michael! And uh, this is another one of those great, like, Michael just looks at her. Head tilt. A little bit of a head tilt. Like a cat. You just called its name. Yeah. Um, That's the face that Charles makes whenever I say his name. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's not staring at me with the same murderous intent that Michael is. You know he is. He's a cat. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, uh, Michael, there's a moment where you wonder, like, could she get through to him even? Yeah. Like, there's that just tiny glimmer of humanity in that, like, blank stare. And then... The march resumes, and he continues toward her. She she raises her weapon, says, "Michael, don't!" But he he won't stop, and she fires. Yep, twice. Blast him right in the eyes. Yes. Fucking crack aim from Miss Strode here. I know she. This is a Myers family. Like this is something in their DNA that they. Michael was in a institution for his entire life, and yet can drive. Excellently. Oh yeah. Just the day he he has access to a car, Lori, like her brother, supernaturally talented, never touched a gun before in her life, and yet, yes, one bullet through each eye hole. I like, I like that they build on that in 2018 Halloween. <laughs> no, 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 no. But they they're not building on it because is, is, because is, Halloween is, two is. Do they, I thought they, I thought don't they, get me started. I thought I thought they, <laughs> I genuinely forgot they scraped. I I remember they scraped most of the sequels. I did not realize they scraped all of the sequels. Yeah, even Halloween 2, which... That's wild. Yeah. That's so, fucking wild. Anyway, uh, uh, and this is the beautiful shot. It ends up, it's on the cover of the, the Blu-ray set that I have. Yeah. Of, of Michael crying tears of blood. Yes. <sighs> and then he just starts fucking swinging. I love it. He, he reaches his hand up and, and the tears, the blood pours down his face and then, yeah, you just have that moment of sympathy, and then it's over. Then, he is it. Just like swinging his scalpel around, <laughs> hoping to hit anything. And I have to, I have to like applaud the the sound design people. Yeah, it's this great. is not a realistic sound no, at all, but it's great. It is just like it the the whooshing sound of his knife cutting through the air dominates the soundtrack here. Yeah, and yeah, uh, and he's just he's moving like an injured animal. Um, getting closer and closer to Lori, and this is when Loomis staggers to his feet and uh, realizes that they are in the gas room, which every hospital has. Uh, <laughs> the room for gas. Honestly, I'm being snarky, but this actually might be a thing in yeah, a hospital yeah. that I just don't know about. I don't so, think, yeah. like, yeah. Um, 
but I like, imagine there's some law from OSHA nowadays that's like uh, that prohibits the containment of them exactly like this. But... I mean, you wouldn't. You would want. I would want them locked down at least, because he just starts turning dials and knobs. Um, Michael hears him get up and starts swinging the other direction, yep. and Lori takes advantage they of this moment. They just both play. Um, what's the thing? What's the baseball thing where you're like stuck between two basemen and you're the runner? Keep away. It's. I was just thinking of Marco Polo more, almost. Oh like, no! To, to me, it very much feels like the uh, like that like the, the, the baseball drill you do, where you got three where you got three players, two two fielders, and one runner trying to just like get past one of them without the ball in the hands. Our noble host says all this as if I know anything about baseball. <sighs> I think it's like in a pickle or something. I don't really remember. But uh, anyways, they just like played out with him for a little bit. And, and so they're they're filling the room with ether with oxygen. All kinds of flammable gases. Uh, once the once the room reaches a, sort of the appropriate level of concentration, uh, Loomis, do you remember what Loomis says to Lori here? Uh, I don't. Uh, the line, as written, I believe, is "Get out now." However, what what Loomis actually says to Lori is "Get now." <laughs> Get now. <laughs> because this is the return of the lighter. Yes. Lori scrambles from the room. Uh, Loomis lifts the yellow Bic lighter. Yep. And says, It's time, Michael. <laughs> this is... There's so much fire. Yes. It's magical. This... They didn't... This... The burn went bigger than they thought it was going to. Absolutely. Uh, like absolutely just in like Lori is in the foreground of the sh of the shot and the back of the, the end of the hallway is just engulfed yes. in an inferno. Yes, and there are just plumes of flame coming out of the fire and one of those plumes is carrying Mr. Michael Myers himself. Yeah, uh, Lori stands there watching the flames uh, for, for a long moment and then the theme returns. Yes. And one of those flames is is Michael Myers himself. Dick Warlock just ablaze. Like I the like just the fucking like pillars of flame that are coming from him. This whole thing, and again, this is me being like super film minor nerd. And all, and all, and also, I don't know if we discussed it, but like man on fire stunts are like that's your favorite thing. We'll get there in a moment, but before <laughs> before I before I indulge my base love of a man on fire. Uh, uh, and I hope for all of you out there, just all of you ASMR freaks out there, just enjoy the like the low where area my voice gets when I talk about men on fire. Um, <laughs> uh, no, um, thi <laughs> this had me going on a whole tangent in my head about like Michael Myers and Judith Myers. Judith being a very Jewish name, Michael is also a Jewish name. Uh, Michael turning into a pillar of flame, which is very like forty years in the wilderness imagery. Uh, I, there's no thesis there. It's just me dr pulling like random English major connections out yeah, of the ether. Absolutely. Um, uh, but eventually, maybe it will come to something coherent. All of this is to say, this 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 stunt is sublime. I I love. Man on Fire stunts so much. 
Um, I think the first one I ever saw was in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. There is a moment where uh, Khan in the USS Reliant is blasting away at the USS Enterprise, and a phaser beam rips through the Enterprise's engineering section, and we have a shot of a poor engineering ensign just like, boom, and he screams. And I, and I just remember watching that on VHS and going back. How do they do this? How do they do this? And the answer, correct me if I'm wrong, is just lots and lots of protective layers? The, the answer is, you light a man on fire. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, in this case, and, you know, like, each of the big three 80s horror series feature, like, has at least one film with a, with a pretty elaborate man on fire stunt in yes. it. Yes. Jason has multiple, does he not? I'm... There's one that I know for sure about. I'm blanking on some of the others. But, like, I know the first Friday... The first... Not Friday. The first Nightmare on Elm Street, um, Freddy gets lit on fire and, like, has to march through that basement. That is a great stunt. I don't know who is in the suit there. Um, I I haven't looked that up. Friday the 13th, Part 7... The New Blood yes. has an incredible man on fire stunt um, where, uh, and that is the main stuntman throughout the whole film, Kane Hodder. He yes. is performing that stunt. He actually stayed on the, the, the live burn. He let that go too long um, because he was just, just like so gung-ho about the job. And uh, to this day, his his neck is just covered in burn scars oh. um, from that from that stunt going a little wrong. So Jason X does have a man on fire, but it's not a stunt. It is as Jason and that other guy are plummeting to earth. That's and they catch right. On fire. It's like a CGI <laughs> yeah, fire yeah. streaking through the air. Yeah, it's really great. Not not a not a live burn. <laughs> but that movie is phenomenal. Um, the 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 Kane Hodder stunt is probably more technically impressive from Friday the 13th Part 7. But for me, this stunt with Michael Myers coming out of the of the wall of flame, Dick Warlock himself is in the suit. Though he's uh, they put they put him in a burn what they call a burn suit. Um, it's got like asbestos padding inside there. Um, then on top of that, like usually the fuel that they use for these stunts is also a protect like a protective gel yeah that might be newer than this movie though i you know i don't have a grand grand grasp of the history of the man on fire technology necessarily yeah um but you get all dolled up in this and then they light you on fire and unlike unlike uh both freddy and jason's man on fire stunts he is all flame. Mm-hmm. There, he is just flame. Yes, he is transformed into a mythological jinn, like, like, and he marches down this hallway so inexorably, so just monstrously. The the score beating in time with the steps that he it it is so impressive yeah. and it's just like it's just this like orgasmic moment at the end of this incredible horror sequence and when it's over like we like we have 
survived yes. with her yeah. this this terrible thing. Um, and Michael is dead. Michael's dead. And and Loomis is dead. That's the end of the Halloween. Yeah. The Halloween story. Uh, we have a little bit of business to clean up at the end. Lori is taken away in a. She comes. She emerges from the hospital in a wheelchair, uh-huh. and um, the sun is shining. It's officially All Saints Day. Uh, they load her into the back of the ambulance. The ambulance goes off, drives off into the fog. And as Mr. Sandman fills the soundtrack one last time, we're left with uh, Laurie Strode's contemplative face and the image of her brother burning in hell. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dram. Boom, 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 boom. Make it as sandy as this. Man, car Oh my gosh. Mr. Sandman, Mr. Email. Yes? Email mail. Boom, 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 boom. Make sure you attach a pick of a snail. Oh my gosh. I stole that from somewhere. But yeah, that's Halloween 2. That's Halloween 2. On a scale of zero to five fuck tubs. Oh my god. How many fuck tubs are you giving this movie? Um, this is this is difficult only because I I hate doing half rankings on a zero to five scale personally. Just because at that point, why not have it be a ten point scale? Yeah, I've had the, I've literally expressed that exact sentiment on multiple occasions, and I refuse to change it because I am too stuck in my own ways, and it's how I it's, it's how I did it the first time, and it's how I continue to do it. That's totally fair. If Halloween, John Carpenter's nineteen seventy eight Halloween, is a five, oh yeah, all, absolutely five star, five jack o' lantern, I don't. I went to listen to the episode <laughs> to find out what one you used. It's gone it, from the feed. It's gone. It's tragic. I'm trying to remember what we, what we probably would have used from that movie. But if that one's like a five jack-o'-lantern uh, movie, this one, real close. Yeah. Um, Four and a half. That's about where I'm at. Like, you, you were literally saying exactly what I in my head had planned on saying. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say if, if we're doing half stars, then this is a 4.5 star movie for a me. A 4.5 fuck Four fuck tubs and then and then like a half, and then like an empty fuck tub. Uh, four fuck tubs and then that running shower that didn't get used because poor Doctor Mixter got a hypodermic in the eye. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, this movie is like, um, it's a great double great double feature with the first movie, by the way. It absolutely is. I think you know Rick Rosenthal set out to make a movie that could be watched that way and you know there's a good job there's some redundancies in the in the narration but right and that's that's, that's to be expected necessary for a three-year gap um but uh and and there's some definitely some clunkiness don't get me wrong that that schoolroom scene is like yeah that schoolroom scene is such a weird it's just so it's just so blatantly there for exposition yep and and Carpenter has called, you know, in a 1984 interview, I believe, called this film an abomination. Wow. He's wrong. Yeah, that's harsh, uh, John. Like, like, and, and, and I think you, that's, you see that thinking reflected in the creative team behind Halloween 2018. Yeah. Um, which I'm not going to go on a rant about right now. Suffice to say, I like that movie. I don't love it because I love this movie. Yeah. And, and the kind of audacity to say, well, that movie didn't happen. 
while we're also kind of remaking it. I have to say, watching this movie, I like Halloween 2018 less. I still like Halloween 2018. Yeah. I like it less now having seen this movie. I did not understand the context. I had only really seen like the the weirder like the weirder entries in the in the Halloween franchise. Like I think Halloween three is like I think Halloween three is good. I just don't see like they can't like obviously scraping that from the record kind of makes sense. I guess because that's not really part of the Michael Myers story. Right. I think I've seen one of the other Halloweens, but I don't remember which one it was. Yeah. Um. You for the show you have watched Halloween, Halloween, and Halloween. Yes. Um, <laughs> And, what is, what and is that? That's 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 seventy eight, two thousand five, seven, Se- seven, and then the two was nine, two thousand nine. Yes. Okay. So yeah, we've done we've done seventy eight, uh, two thousand seven, and twenty eighteen. And you did uh, Halloween three, season of the witch. Yes, which, we did. Which again, that is like I was not expecting it. I had always heard. I did my first like real deep dive of this series about a year ago. Yeah. Um, and like I've loved individual chapters for a long time but like last last year i sat down and like watched the whole thing um every entry and um the uh loomis's entire section in the car where he's talking about sam Hain, to me at least feels like set up for season of the witch absolutely yeah for the type of anthology series that carpenter would want to make going forward you guys have talked about Season of Witch on the show already. Uh, if you go back and listen to that episode, you know there's no Michael Myers. That movie is bonkers. I love it. I'm it's sad right. that like we didn't know each other yet when you covered it. Um, uh, no, we, we did know each other. I just don't think we were as close as friends because this was done last Schlocktober. This was Schlocktober 2018. Oh, really? Season of the Witch. Okay, then, yeah. Um, but yeah, like... But unfortunately, you know, Season of the Witch is... is is called Halloween three yep. and came out a year after Halloween two, and, and people were people wanted Michael people Myers. People were horny for Michael Myers content. Um, on top of that, you know, they didn't end up making another ha- Halloween four. Does not come out until the tenth anniversary of Halloween one. Yeah. So there is a good. So we get seventy eight, eighty one, eighty two, and then six years of nothing. Yeah. So it's not until eighty eight <laughs> that you get Halloween four yeah. and the return of Michael Myers and everything that the series becomes from there yeah um especially when taking into the taken into the context of later entries in the series which i know you don't have the the background with but i do yet, yet. i'm very excited it will happen 100%. Uh, yeah this is definitely this is definitely like a 4.5 i yeah. i love it yeah Wow. Um, with that in mind, you want to get into recommendations? Sure. Uh, you want to go first? All right. Um, my recommendation this week is kind of a recommendation train, since yeah. it's something you recommended to me recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been listening to the Shrieking Shack podcast. podcast. Uh, it is two lapsed fans of the Harry Potter series returning to reread uh, their, their childhood obsession. Yep. And uh, talking about how good or not good it may be uh, in actuality. Um, I was a little old, you know, about that age, but a little bit old for the Harry Potter craze it's, it's when it hit. It's weird you say that because that's how I self-describe about my relation to Harry Potter. Which is not true. No. <laughs> um, it's uh, not. <laughs> you know, um, I was born in 85. I don't remember when the first book came out, but like, but I did read the first three 
um, and started on the at the time back in the day. Started on the fourth book, got a, got partway into the fourth book, and realized like the third book was was my favorite. I had mm-hmm. really enjoyed that one a great deal, and but I got to a certain point in the fourth book where I realized the things I had enjoyed about this series were not the things that the writer actually enjoyed writing about. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so kind of dropped out from there. I'm really digging this show as a revisit to that whole thing. Yeah, and. Um, all of you people out there who are like hopelessly nerdy as me will probably like it too. Yeah, I think it's a great podcast. The host chemistry is excellent. On I love ZC and Liz together. Um, my recommendation this week, as was foreshadowed earlier, is the uh, the 2006 anime film Paprika, directed by Satoshi Kon. Um, we've done Kon on this podcast before, and I had hesitated to go to Paprika because I did not consider that a horror movie in my recollection of that movie. But it had been a little while that I watched it, and um, I had re- I had been reticent to return to Paprika, even though I had liked talking about Perfect Blue, and I definitely have, I obviously have a lot to say about these movies. Um, I had hesitated to Paprika, because I remembered it being as more just like, kind of not a horror movie, but that movie's scary as fuck. It is. Uh, you know, you had described to me as a thriller yes. when we went into it. Um, and at, at some point when, uh, I don't remember whose body is being torn. Oh, it's, it's, it's when, when the, 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 uh, the, the link, DC mini. the DC mini, uh, is like <laughs> burrowing through yeah, dude's and face. Like wiggling in the dude's head. It's so scary. I, I turned to Sarah and I was thriller, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, I genuinely think it's one of the best, like, one of the best anime movies, no question, and, like, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I love, I love Cone's entire body of work, but I think Paprika is my personal favorite. Um, it made me cry like a baby, because Mm. it was his last feature film, and there is very much of him in that movie, and I think it's very funny that the police officer character, Konokawa, is Satoshi Kon's self-insert far more than the character that is literally designed after and voiced by him. (laughs) So coming in one week, two weeks? Uh, actually, Blair and I are kind of planning on doing like end of September. All right, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, speaking of which, um, just a little bit of an update. Uh, Fear Baiting is taking a month off from the show. Uh, we've got this episode. We have a special episode, a special bonus episode with Blair coming out about Midsummer. Midsummer. And then next week, friend of the podcast, Nathan is coming on to talk about the original Saw. And I'm really excited for that. And then after that, uh, August is just going to be an off month. I um, just need to step back for a little bit. Um, I ran out of guests. I need to re- I need to recover my list. And that list does fill up pretty quickly. But um, So uh, if we are friends and you have an interest in being on this podcast, either for the first time or again, please let me know and I will work you into the schedule. Um, but then we'll be, yeah, we'll be off for August. Um, the Patreon will be paused so you don't get charged for that. Um, and then uh, any of our patrons who are doing will won't get charged for that month. And then we'll be back in September with the run-up to Schlocktober, which Blair is going to be back for, and I'm really excited for that, too. That's going to be a blast. And I really want you to come back for a Schlocktober episode, you, me, and Blair. For uh, anything in particular? We have yet to throw together a list, but um, there was a movie mentioned in this that I really want to, but I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. I'll have to go back and re-listen. Well, while you're you're putting together your post-hiatus guest list, keep me in mind, as long as... As long as Blair doesn't mind editing together <laughs> three another three-hour 
Sorry, Blair. We love you. We love Blair. Um, but thank no, maybe. You, thank the, you, listening audience, for listening to this. And if you made it to the end, thank you. I, I personally thought this was incredibly fascinating. I could listen to you just talk for hours on end about these about things you know this much about. The code word is man on fire. Enter the code word at fearbaiting.com <laughs> for twenty percent off nothing because I don't think fearbaiting.com exists. No, it does actually. Just redirect to our noise space link. Oh. Cool, cool. Go there. Uh, but no, I think uh, we'll have to do Halloween 2 again. Yes. Uh, but this time, Rob Zombie's, Rob Zombie's 2009 Magnum Opus. Yeah. Uh, is that a good double feature, too? That is a much... That is a brutal experience. Yeah, I can imagine. And, that first movie's uh, a lot. And the second one does not ease up at all. Well, I'm excited. Um, um, but yeah, so that's just, thanks for understanding, uh, folks. Uh, probably should have put this up front, uh, if I'd known how long this episode was going to be, but whatever, I'll mention it next week, too. Only the most loyal get to know <laughs> what's going <Yeah>. on here. <laughs> um, uh, Carriage, where, where can people find you online? Thank you again very much for coming on. It was a delight. I'm not the most online person. No. Uh, social media really stresses me out. Okay. I am on Twitter at Girl in Four Colors. That's numeral four and the American spelling of colors. Um, I don't, but, like, I don't really, you can follow me there, but, like, good luck seeing me say anything. Yeah. Um, I'm also on Letterboxd. Yes. Uh, I, oh, I need to follow your Letterboxd. Um, I am just Caridwin on Letterboxd. That's spelled C-E-R-I-D-W-E-N. Mm-hmm. Um. Spelled just like it is in the show notes for this podcast. <laughs> uh, and I also have the world's most Googleable name, Caridwin Allison Troy. Yeah. You can go find stuff that I wrote in my 20s to get mad about. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, Letterboxd is a great little social media community specifically for film. I gotta use it way more. Um, I, I love Letterboxd. So I, 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 I am pl- gearing up to uh, start writing essays about movies that I love nice. in that space. Nice. Um, like so many things, I will probably end up in a, like hole at work and end up dropping those plans for a bit but that is the plan right now so if you would like to hear more of me uh, read more of me rambling at incessantly <laughs> about uh cinema cinema um you can go there you can see the list of over 1600 films that i've read and over 200 films that are in my disc collection right now nice it's an impressive collection i've seen it firsthand <laughs> I, I see it firsthand like every day um, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Fear Baiting. If you would like to support the podcast, patreon.com slash fearbaiting. We are also fearbaiting everywhere else. Twitter, uh, Tumblr, though that's, that account has lapsed a little bit. We're a little bit behind on that one. Um, Gmail, if you got to reach us there. Uh, um, patreon.com slash fearbaiting. Uh, $1 a month gets you early access to the episodes. The, uh, the bonus midsummer episode is going to be up there exclusively for a day or two before it comes to the main feed. It will come to the main feed. But uh, just for a brief while, we will be keeping that to the Patreon feed. Midsummer. Midsummer. Spoiler alert, I like that movie a lot. (laughs) Um, uh, And yeah, $5 a month lets you send a message into our podcast. We'll read it on the show. We'll read it on this and The Wonder Yerks. And then $10 a month gets you demand that we watch a movie that that you want. So thank you very much to Michael Kaiser, Paul Moran, Kit Spindler, Paul Bechtel, and Ducky Aisha. Thank you very much for your support. We love you all. Thank you. Um, if you want to find me, you can check me out on Twitter at Sunhat Genya. That's S-U-N-H-A-T-Z-H-E-N-Y-A. 
and listen to me on my other podcasts. I do uh, The Wonder Yerks with uh, editor of this podcast, Blair, and uh, music mus- music maker, theme, theme music composer for this podcast, Seda, and uh, Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die, the leftism podcast for the Terminally Online. Um, not a threat, just a... Not a threat, just a fact. Just a fact. <laughs> um... And uh, that's all on the wonderful noisespace.xyz network hosted by Matt GameCube. Thank you so much. Uh, I know I mentioned City Girls Make Do uh, what felt like 15 minutes ago, but I'm sure it was an hour at least ago. <laughs> uh, City Girls Make Do is, uh, I know I recommend them a lot, but it's genuinely one of my favorite podcasts, both on that network and, like, speaking writ large. Uh, I really can't recommend it enough. So, uh, until next time, I'm Sarah. And I will continue to be carried when. And remember... I don't know why you would, but you could... Put a fucked up guy anywhere. Good night, everyone.